Welcome to the Anime Backlog, a podcast featuring three weebs forcing each other to finally watch each other's anime recommendations. A note that episodes will contain spoilers about that week's featured anime and will have explicit language. You can follow the show for updates on Twitter at the Anime Backlog. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Anime Backlog Podcast. We are back on this fine Wednesday, episode 36. Dan Book is the host. That's me. And I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-hosts, Marcus Rothenberg. Hello. And Nick Sparts. How's it going? All right. So I am back in the host chair. I'm going to be assigning a new new episode for, uh, or a new show for these two. Uh, <laughs> just one episode. Just one episode. Yeah, just very impactful, <laughs> you know. Woo. Yeah. And we luck out. <laughs> so... I don't know. What, what do you guys think that I have left in my backlog to assign you guys I at this point? Honestly, not looked at the anime list in a minute uh, for you guys. So I. All right. That's okay. Uh, Dragon Maid? Hmm. That's a very good guess. What do you think, Marcus? I'm going to say Nietzsche Joe. Hmm. Also a good guess. Well, Nicholas was correct. We're oh, doing really? the first season of Dragon Maid. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> first season uh, of Dragon Maid. Job, Nick. It's, it's is a, this our first Kyoto animation? This is Kyoto animation. Unfortunately, oh. I believe it was like an animation director uh, higher up on this. On the team that was doing Dragon Maid was one of the folks that died during the attack. Um, oh, Jesus. Okay. Um Oh, Nietzsche Joe is also Kyoto Animation. Also so Kyoto Animation. Would have been right. Yeah, yeah, Damn. yeah. And I'll be doing Nietzsche Joe at some point. But yeah, Kobayashi, uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of this show. Every now and then a slice of lifestyle show will will grab me. And this is one of them. The mouse synopsis real quick here is, um, as Kobayashi sets off for another day at work, she opens her apartment door only to be met by an unusually frightening sight. The head of a dragon staring at her from across the balcony. The dragon immediately transforms into a cute, busty, and energetic <laughs> young girl dressed in a maid outfit. I did not expect that. <laughs> Introducing herself as Toru. It turns out that the stoic programmer had come across the dragon the previous night on a drunken excursion to the mountains, and since the mythical beast had nowhere else to go, she had offered the creature a place to stay at her home. Thus, Toru had arrived to cash in on the offer, ready to repay her savior's kindness, by working as her personal maidservant. Though deeply regretful of her words and hesitant to follow through on her promise, a mix of guilt and Toru's incredible dragon abilities convinces Kobayashi to take the girl in. Um, despite being extremely efficient at her job, the maid's unorthodox methods of housekeeping often end up horrifying Kobayashi and at times bring more trouble than help. Furthermore, the circumstances begin or behind the dragon's arrival on Earth seem to have been much more complicated than at first glance, as Toru bears some heavy emotions and painful memories. To top it all off, Toru's presence end up, ends up attracting several other mythical beings to her new home, bringing in a host of eccentric personalities. 
Although Kobayashi makes her best effort to handle the crazy situation that she has found herself in, nothing has prepared her for this new life with a dragon maid. So that was a lot longer and bustier than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> um, as soon as that line came around, I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Yeah. So the creator is a, uh, I believe it's a, a male author who did the original manga. They also did the um, manga slash shorts. The, uh, I can't understand what my husband is saying. It's like little five-minute shorts. They're a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Slightly problematic in a couple things. And... In Dragon Maid, there's just a couple glaring issues that keep it from being like extremely, extremely popular. Uh, it, it's it has like five spinoffs in the manga world though, so it's doing well. Jesus, really? Yeah, like all, every character that shows up has their own st- plot line. Um, just for it's all fun. So like the stakes are usually pretty low. There's an overarching kind of plot of their this like one of the things I like about the show so much is this. Uh, these non-standard family units that pop up. Like uh, you have a f- two female characters taking care of a uh, young daughter type family. And then two guys living together who are platonic, but like they create their own little unit and stuff like that. So that's fun. I really enjoy that aspect. Um, the hijinks they get into because they're all fucking dragons and Kyoto animation every now and then just being like, Hey, just in case y'all didn't forget, we're going to animate the fuck out of this. <laughs> and I've seen a couple like short clips where it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, uh, the second season, which we, I don't know if, if you guys really enjoy this, maybe we'll do the second season too. Cause it, it has its own uh, merit as its own season as well, except for a much more problematic character. The, the author loves big booba and it's, it's a apparent. lot. It's a lot. And it's in the description. Yeah. Yeah. The big boob is a lot. But <laughs> like, but there's a, a fight scene that happens in season two that is like contender for one of the better fight scenes I've ever seen. They shoot a bullet through titties? No. No, thankfully. Um, <laughs> or, or shoot a golf ball through a ch- couple train cars as they go by. <laughs> Those are not uh, comparable. <laughs> I mean, they're similar. <laughs> just, no, just no titties. Okay. Yeah. So, Dragon Maid. I loved it. It's a lot of fun. It's um, it's all 13 episodes, which is a b- bit longer, but it's easy. Uh, like each episode is just cut into little shorts. Like it's more, it's more of like a skit kind of show where it just kind of jumps between um, the little bits. Mm, which I don't know how I feel about that because Kaguya-sama suffered for me it, because of that. It did for me too. Don't get me wrong, but they they set it up pretty. Pretty well that it didn't bother me as much with with Dragon Maid, but your mileage may vary. Okay, I'm thinking this is more of a Nick show, less a Marcus show. I'm thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to point out, and I feel like this is important. This is the first time we've had a like stretch, like a rotation stretch. Nick did not assign a slice of life. You and I did. <laughs> This is a wild fucking time. Uh, yep. So I, I, just, I was the one who did the action sports area. Yeah, like, <laughs> I just want to point that out and, like, what a weird fucking time we're having right now. Yeah. Oh, don't get worried. I'm sure in the next rotation it'll probably write itself. Oh, we're going to be yeah. right back to war yeah, crimes, yeah, baby. Yeah. D- double war crimes. <laughs> uh, heaping help. We're going to start with the uh, OG Gundam. <laughs> right. 
I've thought about it. I'm down. Well, there, last time I was thinking about doing Gundam Double O, but apparently Dan has seen yeah. it. So, and that. that whole thing is like post 9-11, like terrorism war themes. Like, oh, Double O so fucking good. But whatever. Uh, Dragon made uh, 7.95 on Mal, which I feel is, I think an eight wouldn't be out of the out of the question, but not too too much higher than that. It, it's 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 great on a lot of things, but it doesn't reinvent the wheel or anything like that. But I've just generally heard animation pops because it's Kyoto Animation, and they mm-hmm. generally go off on Pop, pretty much everything yeah. they do. Um, even K-On, which I'll have you guys watch eventually for being a cute girls do cute things show with just some music is pretty well animated. Yeah. Oh yeah. They do Violet Evergarden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Kyoto Animation I'm a little, I'm a, is, an, I'm a little more hopeful now is one of the better studios just in general. And they also, for what I understand, pay their employees, uh, you know, not slave wages. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, a livable wage, you say? <laughs> yeah, in yeah. this economy? Yeah, yeah. They do the uh, sound euphonium. Uh, f- they did free the 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 boys the, swimming club the thing. swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Inuyasha. Apparently, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was one of their first shows. Was Inuyasha? Um, it was like Beyond right. the Boundary. I re- I think that's called Kyokai no Kanada. Anywho, a lot I mean, of really just good for, shit. Just for once, I'm going to yeah. show you is. For sure, Kaon and Hayaka, eventually, I'm going to show you, you both of those. Uh, they also did both the second and third season of Full Metal Panic. Um, That's from back spe- in the day. Which specifically, yeah. uh, Fomofo is amazing because it's the comedy season that they did where it's just a, they play the whole thing as a straight comedy, but with the same characters. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, um, honestly, seeing that they did Violet Evergarden, I'm like, ooh, okay, I'm a little more in. Yeah, there's a, it's a very different art style, but the, they flex from time to time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Well, do you guys have any questions before we hit the little interlude and watch 13 episodes of Dragon Maid? No. We'll, we'll probably do, uh, do two and a half hours on the other side, so might as well get to part two as soon as quick. I soon feel as, like yeah. it might be a bit shorter. It's, it's, it's just like popcorn candy. I am apprehensive. <laughs> I will say that much. So I might come back to this with a lot to fucking say. That's fair. We will see. Oh, and uh, oh, another thing to look out for that I'm worried about. And I mentioned it in our extra credit one time because I was reluctant to um, assign this one. Was there's some odd sexualization of the kids. Just just a little too far. So look forward to that discussion in part two. <laughs> and, oh, boy. And, and, and again, why it can't really go above an eight like everyone's got gigantic tits and the, like leave the kids alone um oh but the rest of it's great yay all right um <laughs> jen's gonna have some questions for me <laughs> i'm watching i'm not watching this with caitlin around that no it's not happening <laughs> all right cool well we will be back uh about a week for us 30 seconds or so for you guys and we'll see you on the other side see ya see ya
All right, and we are back on the other side. Uh, it's been a week for us. A few moments for you guys. For Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. What did you guys think? I very much want you to go first, Nick. Ooh, this sounds great. All right. Well, firstly, I swear you said 12 episodes when we did the part one. So in my head, it was 12 the entire time until I got to the 13th episode today. And I was like, wait, there's 13. So I thought I said that, 13, but I may that, have said both, to be fair. <laughs> that threw me off my game a little bit when I was watching at work and wrapping this up before we recorded today. Oh, sure. In terms of what I thought about the show, uh, this is that good comfy shit. Really enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah. Totally up my alley. It's basically nothing high stakes, good vibes the whole time. Were there some jokes that got repetitive and didn't hit real hard? Yes. But generally, it was pretty positive. Usually, it would make me laugh at least a couple times in every skit. A couple of the characters are excellent. There's one character I'm not a huge fan of. But for the most part, really enjoyed this. Uh, and the OP is going to be stuck in my head for a long time. I really enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I love the OP. I thought... Uh, the it was the, the T posing is the, the T posing and spinning <laughs> and uh just I don't know it, it's just unhinged in just the right way oh, <laughs> in, in a in, lot of in, it in Canna must be protected at all costs <laughs> yeah 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 Canna was Kana, was a big yeah. deal was a big deal when this show was airing I don't doubt it all right I guess so that Marcus, means it's my turn yeah. so. My experience was interesting. <laughs> oh, oh! by the way, before we get too far, Nick, English uh, sub or dub? I did sub the whole way through. Okay. Marcus? I did both. I did, so I would alternate. I would do like two episodes sub, two episodes dub, two episodes sub, like flip-flopping back and forth. Uh, there were a couple times where I would, I would find something interesting in the sub or the dub, and I would flip over within that same episode hmm. to see if it was the same or, like, if the line was similar or something like that. There was a lot that I did not like about this. But overall, I fucking loved this. <laughs> and I'm a little upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I, I love this I was, fucking show. <laughs> I was fully expecting... Like this is some Dan this is some top tier Dan trash. And it was top tier Dan trash in a good way. Oh. <laughs> it was whole, it was wholesome trash is what I kept saying the whole time. And Caitlin watched almost all of it with me too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Caitlin wanted me to relay Fuck you, Dan. She's gonna have to go back and rewatch all of it from the beginning and finish it and watch preview con like continuing seasons. Because she loved this shit, and she hates that she loved it. Oh, well, that's great. I'm stoked that you guys liked it. I love this show. I'm usually not a slice of life person, but this one has, it leans more into the comedy. Mm -hmm. And and like I said before, just the kind of the exploration of these uh, non-standard family units all creating this like larger extended family is just really nice. Mm -hmm. It's just really nice. And... It, it has some really great timing on a lot of the jokes. Mm -hmm. And it usually kept, like, whenever the jokes were happening, it was usually pretty rapid fire uh, on, like, the little bits. and well, But then the tender moments and sweet moments were nice. 
as well. And they'd even have like layered jokes like going on in the background while the action's happening in front of it. Yeah. Like in the beach episode, there's just a side shot of uh, Can- uh, Kana just eating a crab out of nowhere <laughs> that is yeah. not the focus of the shot. <laughs> yeah. There was so the English dub props to the Walla actors because oh my god, the background voices were fucking hilarious the whole oh, way yeah? through. What did they there's do? There's like. There's one moment where, like, two people are arguing, and you just hear, and it's so subtle, which is kind of a shame, but I think that also made it, but it, like, someone in the background's like, oh, damn, girl, do you see what's going on? It's like, yeah, I'm watching this, too. It's crazy. Oh, really? Interesting. (laughs) It's fucking great. And I was losing my shit constantly just from, like, little things that, like, background actors would say. Like, at one point, uh... Uh, Toru breaks something and just a dub actor goes like she like breaks the sidewalk and a dub uh, like the background actor goes no that's okay I wasn't going to walk there anyway no, no really <laughs> they like, took some these liberties are great. <laughs> wow okay because I so I've this is my fourth time through this first season and mm-hmm. um the I so I was like okay this time I'll maybe I'll do the dub like I I had a good experience with 86 in that kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. Another show I didn't enjoy, I think it was Hell's Paradise. I did not join the dub just because of one character. And this is kind of the same thing <laughs> where the Kobayashi and Toru's, like the, their, both their whole vibes were, it felt so different from the sub. Like Toru was like a bubbly airhead while like like to the to the max in the English dub, but the Japanese VA was a little more restrained in that aspect. And Kobayashi, on the other hand, was too expressive in the English dub when she's supposed to be kind of your deadpan, mm-hmm. depressed, tired person. And the the Japanese VA conveyed that a lot better. So but, I remember you saying something like that because you said you mentioned that at brunch that it like changed the vibe or you may have said it in the group mm-hmm, chat something like that yeah I agree to a point and that the vibe was a little bit different between the two however it didn't detract for me okay because uh, Kobayashi being like slightly more expressive in the dub worked for me because it also for, to me at least helped convey her character growth. Because that actress did a very good job of, in the beginning, being that, like, uh, nothing for dry red eyes, like, the Mm -hmm, whole time. mm -hmm. Towards the end of the 13, being, like, more expressive, like, you could hear, like, a smile in her voice, like, or, like, the warmth and the comfort, Mm. as opposed to the deadpan. So, for me, from, like, a character development point, I enjoyed that. So, like, that vibe was different, but I thought in a good way. Okay. Interesting. Um, but yeah, well, let's just get into it. Do you guys have any other uh, opening thoughts before we get into the episode episode to episode breakdown? Uh, one critique I will throw on the show is Kyoto Animation brought it for some scenes. Like the dodgeball scene was way higher animated. <laughs> oh, than yeah. <laughs> but then they'd also have other like entire halves of episodes that were basically just still frames. And that yeah. it felt like they blew all the animation budget on just a handful of key scenes and mm-hmm. really 
we're stretching it at some other parts. Like yeah. the, uh, I think it was the school sports day episode was yeah. so limited. There was, it was a lot of still shots. There, there were a lot of still shots, except for, <laughs> although, so Audra was rewatching it with me. And during that school sports festival, we noticed the stills, except for Lukoa, who is probably the weakest, unfortunately, the weakest character in the whole show. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what she and her little side plot added at all most of the time. There was a handful of jokes that involved her that were f- good. Mostly it was, right. I think it was like episode seven and eight where she kept showing up to places with not enough clothes and some background character kept dragging Just her dragging away. It was the same background character too. Yeah. That I wasn't like. the so same like, one. Yeah. Or at least it was the same voice actress and stuff. But uh, but yeah, so she's the weakest character, which is a shame um, because she's interesting other than her gag. Um, mm-hmm. but the, those still, sh- those like montage of still shots of the school's festival, her cheering was still animated, which I thought was a <laughs> choice. <laughs> they did that shit on purpose. Yeah. The breasts were bouncing boobily. Uh, I will so, say somebody is- knew what their job was and they were focused on yeah. it. <laughs> this is also somewhat of an overall thing, but since we brought her up, I'll, I'll bring it up here cause it does happen in multiple episodes with mm-hmm. her. And this is a weak point of the dub for me because I thought the relationship she had with Shoto was weird and creepy. I did not like that shit. In the dub, they make it creepier. Oh. Duh. Why did they lean in? (laughs) I don't know. Because in the dub, like, and I noticed it specifically at one point. It was one where I went to flip-flop. And it was one of an early episode where uh, in the sub, she says, Oh, were you worried about me or something like that? Oh, yeah. She stepped outside because she yeah. was being the demon, whatever. And in the dub, she says, oh, Shoto baby, you do really care. Whoa. So, and then Whoa. from then on, she calls him Shoto baby the whole time. Oh. And I fucking hated that because she does not call him that in the sub. But for no. whatever reason in the yeah. dub, she does. In that- so it, it's problematic, but she, at least in the sub, she just sounds like a doting older sister type. That is not the vibe in the dub. That it, yeah, in, in the sub, it's definitely uh, the relationship's inappropriate, but she doesn't seem to like view him with any sort of affection in that manner. It's just uh, I want you to think of me as a dragon, not a demon. That's mm-hmm. really all she cares about. Mm-hmm. And in the dub, it's very much a maybe not like. I don't want to say flirty, but like maybe unintentionally Man, flirty. Like she doesn't close. see it as like a like kind of like teasing thing. That's just how she talks, but it is a teasing thing. And they lean into this quote unquote joke of it, and I fucking hated that. Yikes. So Yikes. but yeah, we can hop into the okay. we can hop into the Episode one. Uh we open with was it just Kobayashi waking up? Oh no, the dragon flying around. That's what it is. Yep, uh, yep, uh, yep. Like out of the forest. Out of the forest, this like chunky. All the dragons are real chubby, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for uh, Kana's pretty Elma. slim. Elma's got like a serpent style. Did they, dragon. Did they show her in her dragon form here? Very briefly. Yeah, it's like a quick cut. Uh, but it you see it in the op every time too. And mm-hmm. uh, and then also in season two they show. Uh, Lukoa, she can body the whole like she she solos their verse, <laughs> like she is a world serpent type of monster. Oh Jesus! Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
but anywho, so we we get the Chucky Dragon flying into town and <laughs> landing outside of an apartment complex, and then Kobayashi gets to wake up after a, which you find out much later in the series, a pretty intense late night bender. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That you end up in the mountains. <laughs> Gotta love polishing off an entire bottle of sake in the woods, right? Yeah, yeah. called Dragon Slayer, no less. And you guys don't do that like every Tuesday night, like. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I just I, I don't do, remember. I, I do drink with the homies on on Tuesdays though. Yeah. <laughs> so Kobayashi's going about their business, getting ready for their work at their like soul crushing job. Open the door, and there's a dragon head whole ass dragon head filling the entire view just a face and like angry face roars at her and casts a spell turns into the human form of toru and this is where they we get to like meet they get to meet air quotes for the first time because kobayashi uh, blacked out and doesn't remember things very Meets well sober yeah <laughs> so sober kobayashi gets to take this all in and uh suffice to say it's a lot it's a lot I mean, I, I I think I would have a reaction to someone showing up at my door. Actually, a dragon showing up at my door, changing into a person, and being like, yo, I live here now because you said I could. Yeah. And I'll be your maid like you asked me to. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> Which they do bury the lead on that part because they don't tell us until later this episode that Kobayashi is really into maids. <laughs> yeah. Really into maids. That's, <laughs> that's her... Whatever form of tism they've got, that's their special interest. And, <laughs> that's the hyper focus. Yeah, and so Kobayashi's reasonably so reluctant to let Toru stay with him and be this maid, and but then she starts to remember a little bit of the flashback into the mountains about like them being alone and stuff like that, and then she decides to let Toru stay. Uh, but, o- but basically only after she- Kobayashi realizes that after talking with Toru, she was late for work <laughs> and then asks, can you fly? And they go on a breakneck adventure to the, to the, the, the damn workplace. And I like this the little IT office, this little bit where she's like yelling and screaming about too fast and Toru's not responding, but then she asks a question, and Toru immediately responds. He's like, "Ah, what? <laughs> you you can't hear me." <laughs> you see- yeah, she says like, "Maybe she can stay with me," and she's like, "I can stay with you? Oh my god, oh, that's yeah, great!" Yeah. It's like, so you can hear me the whole time? Yeah. Like- so that's what this show has in spades is that that type of comedy. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but this really fast quips back and forth and. Mm-hmm. Little things like that. And also, I also got a kick out of Toru leaning into being a dragon. She's like, because she says in the beginning of this episode, she's like, I can turn this into entire area into a sea of fire. But like, very happily and nonchalantly, yeah. you know? Like, is it- like any given Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Just what you do. Say, <laughs> for you, the day Bison visited your village was a formative day. Right. For me, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> And uh, so Kobayashi gets back home. Toru's been, I guess, trying to do maid things. And we get to see some of these early growing pains with uh, the maid service Mm -hmm. that Toru offers. (laughs) Service with quotes. Yeah. Uh, I I do love how she 
cleans it by just blowing it all away. And she's like, oh, I can just restore it. I'm like, well, that's yeah. handy as hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I would do the same thing, like, if I had that ability. Yeah, if all your stuff's, like, fine. Yeah, who cares? It's just stuff. But, yeah, she uh, she completely blasts the whole apartment clean, uh, restores it with magic as a little deus ex machina that they do every <laughs> now and then. And uh, <laughs> every now it's like every episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every now and, and then. And then. I, one of the gags I liked was uh, because Toru. Oh, well, I guess one thing to establish is Kobayashi is never like expressly shown to be attracted to, to women. Or attracted to anything in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Toru is in love with and attracted to Kobayashi. Um, but dragons and gender don't seem to be as important. Um, but if you like who you like. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, the weird thing is definitely that it's a human, not that it's a woman. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's that's the, the odd part for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Toru is just obsessed with Kobayashi to the point where she's like, oh, yeah, my saliva has like can clean clean stains. Watch. And then she just sh- starts shoving clothes into her mouth. And then the way though her cheeks were animated, no pun intended, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be some fresh, hot trash. If they're putting this level of animation into this girl swishing shit around her mouth, I am in for a rough fucking ride. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, anytime that the character had to have like larger sillier proportions for a thing because they would slip slightly back into the dragon mm-hmm. mode, I always got a kick out of like whenever they'd use their breath, they'd shift a little bit back and then fire it off and stuff like that. And the orc Toru just chewing on some fucking laundry. Yeah, that moment that was the smoothest animation I've seen in anything. Of my life. Yeah. Just they went her hard. cheeks swirling around in circles. I was like, why? <laughs> how? This, you guys, uh, this was more intense than how MAPPA treats their animators for this one <laughs> moment it, of swirling laundry. It, it is Kyo Annie. That's <laughs> yeah. one thing they're kind of known for. <laughs> and uh, also, the I know they replayed a lot of tracks in this show for like particular... Like, oh, here's a sad point. Here's a happy point. Yeah. You know, they played the same tracks. But I always enjoyed the music for them, and they always played them pretty liberally. And they had music going constantly. Yeah, all the time. Um, it was usually pretty background, but if you were listening, there was always this musical mm-hmm. track going yeah. pretty much through every single episode. You know, unless it was a like a quiet, tense moment where it was just a couple people talking. Yeah, there was almost always some light I was energy. Even a lot of those would have mm-hmm. even just like a slight amount of like piano or just like a little bit of a bass line going just to like really set that mood. And to its credit, at least for me, it never felt repetitive, which mm-hmm. I did appreciate. Like I would recognize the tone like the, oh, they're stepping outside in the summer. And I was like, okay, I've heard this 50 million times before, mm-hmm. but it's not a bother. Which I appreciated. And um, the next foray into learning how to be a maid, uh, Toru tries to feed Kobayashi her tail. And, and this is a running gag. disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it's looks like super oozing gross. green shit. Like, there's still the middle of the bone in it. Yeah, there's still bone. Like, 
And she's like, well, don't you want to eat it? And they're like, what? This is weird. And then they show her. She's like, oh, I'm not going to eat that. That's like, I don't know. That's weird. That's cannibal. I don't know what that is. And then she's like, oh, okay. And then Toru goes to town on it. And then it, it cuts and then and it does this particular silhouette. That oh, it, it feels like an Evangelion reference whenever yeah. <laughs> uh, it was eating the like S2 engine in like one of the later episodes. Mm-hmm. It just chows down on this. They've like just red eyes, big teeth, or uh, yellow eyes, whatever, big eyes. And then it just like shits out another tail. <laughs> also in that moment, the angle they chose for that, it's coming from like the perspective of you're under her belly looking like uh, under her belly, like to the side, looking like through her titties into her face as she's about to eat. And it was like, again, a moment of like, what fresh hot hell trash have I stumbled <laughs> into here? Because it... Because it, it it is trash a lot of the time, but it, they I think I don't know if they do it. They don't pull it off well every time, but they try to. It's it's, it's a part of the comedy. Well, I I, th- I think what helps it work is it's always pretty light in tone. Like even when it gets serious, it's not really that serious. Mm-hmm. And then there, you can just tell there's a lot of general positive humor going on. So I think that helps the trash feel a little better. Like. <laughs> If this was if this was like trying to be a more serious show with some of the trash things this did, I think it would totally oh, yeah. be way worse. Like uh, looking at you, High School of the Dead. Yeah, like uh, you K- fuck K. Whenever the cat turned into the cat girl for the first time. Are you gonna shit on me for K this entire <laughs> podcast? Any time. <laughs> but but I mean but that's that's the point. Like that's, you're not wrong. I'm just sh- mad about it. <laughs> this show had nothing to do with being pervy, and then it's just like naked cat girl, fifteen seconds of it. Just we're gonna sit here with this, um, and then never talking about it again. So, and then yeah, Toru is very direct. Even says, "I love you" sexually, just straight up yeah. says it. Which that was a moment I flipped between dub and sub, and I was like, oh. "Do they say the same thing for both?" I'm like, oh, "Okay, they do." Um. Oh yeah, the Toru defends the apartment from a couple burglars. Yeah, it was lock pickers, and they opened the door, and it's just a dragon just face dragon. Just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think they like go into the shopping center, and then they they see the two burglars trying to tell the cops, like we saw a monster. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so that was one of those that, background gags that you were yes, talking about. Yes, I was gonna say another moment where the background was like, "There was a giant monster!" I swear, and the cop goes, "What are you on?" And I <laughs> lost my shit. Like, really, dude? Okay, I might need to rewatch this in the dub because. The liberties a lot of the, they took. A, a lot of the background acting is fucking phenomenal. Like, it was, this is a weird thing to say, a very high point of the show for me. No, and like, I, a lot of it was fucking I, great. I'm already looking forward to rewatching this in the dub just to hear all the background. Because yeah. I, I enjoy when they layer jokes in the background mm-hmm. like that. That's yeah. always a cool thing to do. And some of them, it's always like, a, I'd have to go back because like, did I just hear that? Because, like, I'd be listening with, like, headphones a lot, so it was easier to hear. But, like, it was unfortunate how background some of the background acting was. Like, I get it. You're trying to fill the scene and fill the world. So, yes, you have background acting. But don't make it so good if you're going to do that. <laughs> like, have them talk about just, like, like just unrelated shit. Like, a background actor. Like, yeah. hey, do you want to have pasta tonight? Yeah, spaghetti sounds good. Not, like... Oh, girl, do you hear what that's, what's going on over there? <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. This is good shit. Like, stuff like that is fucking great. Um, 
while Toru is trying to get uh, trying to figure out how to integrate into the world and clean and be a maid, she she phones Fafnir for help. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> she only does it twice, but I really like that did the callback gag for it later. Yeah. Where she picks kill up the phone. They're like, kill them. Curse kill them, them all. Take, them, take everything from them. She's like, hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Fafnir. <laughs> Hangs it up. <laughs> She's like, that's probably not helpful. I'm going to call Kotal. <laughs> and, uh, but Kobayashi, or uh, Toru follows Kobayashi to work. I think does the perception block and then meets... Her coworker Makoto Takia, who mm-hmm. just sits next to her and seems like a fairly decent guy, they're, they're friendly at work, and then they're like, "Hey, you want to go get drinks?" I was also super appreciative of they actually put some development into the workspace, uh, like they had things like deadlines and stuff like that, and just showing that in this show, I thought added a little depth to how we understood Kobayashi. So mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. kind of glad they did that because they could have just had the workspace be really stereotypical, but they actually put some effort into developing it. Yeah. Like, and then, oh, it's an office. What does the office do? Office, office stuff. Work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the, 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 the cartoonishly horrible boss manager who was just screaming and pointing constantly. Kobayashi. Your boss doesn't do that? No, no, my boss is pretty chill. Thank God. Oh, again, he was a shining moment for the dub too. We'll get to him later. Um, but but he so, has so a they go out for like drinks. Where... Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. No, you go ahead. We'll okay, get to okay. him later. We'll get, okay, we'll get to it. Um, but they go out for drinks. Toru is jealous. Um, and you know, Kobe, uh, Toru is invited along to go drinking with them. Uh, Tor- Toru at some point says this line. He's like, "I'm strong enough to bring about to to bring about Armageddon." And she's just upset that she has to compete what she thinks like with this human against man. a regular dude, yeah, inferior human. Um, but they get to the, uh, I guess it's it's not a bar; it's like a restaurant, but it's focused on drinks with small plates, kind of like tapas, but like tapas, private rooms. Yeah. Um, but I, you see them a lot in in a lot of anime, but I just, I just don't know what the hell they are. But they seem mm-hmm. cool. I wish I wish we had something like that. That'd be tight. Um, oh yeah. But Kobayashi and you know Taki are talking about work, pretty chill, and then they get through like half a drink, <laughs> and Kobayashi is a fucking lush. Holy shit! She barely Dude. gets through a drink and then is so so that that's fun with the house how bland huh, maybe not bland. But like tired and reserved, she's always. But when she drinks, mm. she's incredibly boisterous and rude. Uh, and Takia goes into his like otaku voice, has the crazy glasses on and his funny little buck, buck teeth, and then they start geeking about maids and he, him about the cosplay kind of side, and then Kobayashi about maids specifically. I'm not gonna lie to you. There were a lot of moments where I would forget that's the same person. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it took me a minute to like get that in my head as, okay, these are the same people. Because they were so visually different that <laughs> yeah. it drew me. 100% was like, oh, this is a different character. And then someone would say his name and I was like, what? Oh, shit. Yeah, that is him. Jesus. Like, yeah. And then the, I, as the show goes on, that just becomes his not work persona. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. If he's not at work, that's what he looks like. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> 
and they're giving Toru a hard time. It's like, you're not a real maid. You're just a cosplay maid. <laughs> and then giving her a hard time. And eventually Kobayashi just like strips her, which it's which is also weird because they've they've established that these are their scales. Yeah. And but but yeah, I'm not sure how the that Silent part Hill rip the skin off, pyramid head rips her oh, skin off. Like, <laughs> oh man. That was nuts. And uh but then they they i guess they have a nice time after that because they scream out bring more liquor and maids victorian maids and we get back to the laundry licking gag she's like because she was told to stop doing that and then (laughs) there is a part where she's got our toad has got a kobayashi shirt and is like licking it lovingly oh yeah (laughs) her scent is still on this i told you to stop uh well uh this is also where uh uh, Takaya finds out that uh, Toru's a dragon. Oh, because mm-hmm. she takes her home. Yeah, because um, yeah. yeah, puts uh, um, Kobayashi on her back and says, all right, well, I guess I can let you out on a secret and turns into the dragon and flies home. Mm-hmm. And his reaction is nothing. He's just <laughs> yeah, like, he a, is the most oh, wow. chill, <laughs> relaxed human. Like, I know what I'm about. <laughs> I'm yeah, not too worried I, about other things. <laughs> play it cool or or they'll kill me. Yeah. Very much a, well, I can't do anything about this, so here we are, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, there's all the, the other joke of, like, uh, Kobayashi asks Toru, like, what size are you anyway? She goes, D. D for dragon. For dragon, yeah. <laughs> Another so one where I was like, is that the same in both? Uh, no. Like, <laughs> that, that was one of those where it was like, this is dumb, but yeah, I got a chuckle out of me. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, and then I guess the um, clothes were drying at the end of the episode, but it was a cloudy day. So Toru decides to just b- blast into the sky until all the clouds were gone so they could have a nice sunny day. Wow. Yeah, well, like, that'll also help the laundry dry faster. It'll help the laundry yeah. dry faster. And I like how that's something they used to show her development as a character of like, oh, she gets patient, well actually be like accept the weather instead of trying to control it mm-hmm. as the show goes on yeah so 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 this was like a slice of life that that hit me pretty well and i i noticed that after watching some of the other slice of lives with for this podcast is that this one while it was slow and not a whole lot changes there was plot and advancement and growth for a handful of characters which i enjoyed yeah which which I enjoyed. Um, I would say pretty much all the characters develop at least a little, a little bit. Just something. Just give me something. Uh, outside I wouldn't of say Qu- does Lakota pretty much. Yeah, like yeah, Lakota didn't. Other than she started wearing like full body clothing by the end. She has a line that's so fucking sick. We'll get to it later, but it's uh, it's frustrating. All right, but and then her blowing away the clouds though is what clued Kana on to wear. Yes, and make it Kana. Yeah. <laughs> Who we don't know yet. We just see this like person. It's a small child thing. Yeah. That's like, like following that's like, oh, I know what that is. And you can see the horn, so you know it's a dragon. Yeah. And, you don't and she has like a her. line that says, like, oh, I finally found you or I've tracked you down or, mm-hmm. or something to that effect. And then that's how that episode ends. Yeah. Um episode two, Kobayashi goes with Toru to the shopping district and Kobayashi's concerned how Toru is fitting in and integrating, and you're shaking your head. <laughs> no, I th- just a moment in this episode. 
Oh. When they're at the shopping district and that guy like snatches that lady's purse oh, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So And Kobayashi's like, can I, can I, can I, or not Kobayashi, but Toru turns to Kobayashi and she's like, can I deal with this? <laughs> and Kobayashi says, yeah, but be subtle about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she DBZ full on takes <laughs> off, charges up, destroys the concrete. And the animators went hard. <laughs> <laughs> wildly hard. Yeah, because up until this point, Kobayashi was a little worried, but then seemed fine once Toru was walking through the shopping district. Everyone loves Toru. Mm-hmm. Giving her extra stuff, calling her over, saying, we got this good shit in, like, hey, come on over. Uh, thanks for helping me out last week. Whatever. You know, there mm-hmm. she's integrated very well and is, and is loved by everyone. And even and, Kobayashi takes note of this, like, a wow. People love her, and she has a line here where she says something to the effect of, she's only been in this world for, like, a week or or something like that. It's a short amount of time. But she's like, she's only been in this world for a week, and she's better at social interactions than Mm -hmm. I am. Like, what am I doing wrong, Mm -hmm. and what is she doing right? Because that's interesting. Like, But, yeah, may I stop him? That sequence of events happens. Then we get that, like, Immediate panic from Kobayashi because <laughs> the whole crowd is just staring for what seems like a forever moment, right? Mm-hmm. Kobayashi goes in to grab Toru to run out of there, and they're all, but then in the crowd erupts with, like, oh my god, that was amazing! <laughs> Our hero! <laughs> yeah, they're just down. <laughs> You're a hell of an athlete. <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> right. <laughs> uh. That was the moment also that like pop off animation where I was not one in episode one. Okay. Sure. I got to say, I was like, God, I'm going to fucking hate this the whole time. I know it. That moment happens. And I was like, fuck, am I going to like this? God damn it. <laughs> like I sh- I knew you guys were going to pop off at some points. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them where I'm like, fuck, that was cool. And that whole sequence was super duper funny. Son of a bitch. No, I, I remember whenever this was airing, people were talking like on Reddit, like, why hasn't Kyoto Animation done like a recent battle shonen? Like they got the chops for it. Bro. They should just do it. <laughs> Cause the like Bro. I was saying, second season's got a fight scene that is a, a, a fantastic shonen battle fight. Like it's just stellar and well animated. Anyway. But episode two, we get this part where Kana shows up. She makes it to Kobayashi's apartment. And is telling Kobayashi to give Toru back. And then stole her or you seduced her. You seduced her with your body. Yeah. (laughs) And then she even calls her a cuckold and then slut and glasses. Like, what is this kid? Kid. Another (laughs) moment I swapped to the dub and the sub (laughs) to see if they said the same because I lost it. Yeah. Because she's like, give her back, you cuckold. I that moment stunned me because it was one of those like lines I wasn't ready for. And it just, like, shocked me into, like, that kind of nervous laughter. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I did not expect that. Uh, also, I, I actually kind of forgotten about that because that does not match uh, Kana's character throughout the rest of the show at all. At all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, they've also said that, like, oh, she was kicked out because she was a prankster. Mm-hmm. And she was played pr- pranks on her family. And she never does a single prank. Which... I. I was just going to say, I was a little disappointed by that 
Because I yeah. kind of wanted to see, like, I was like, this is good comedic opportunity here. Sure. If, I like, think... the pranks are funny or if the pranks are, like, over-the-top dragon pranks that a human is like, what the fuck is happening? Like, that would have been <laughs> I teleported you into space. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but well, they specifically established later that it was due to her parents not giving her any attention. Yeah. And obviously... Yeah. The idea is supposed to be this is supposed to be a much more loving home than she had. I, I absolutely with her parents, mm-hmm. and that's why she's we getting don't, the attention. And that's why so we don't get not, pranks. Yeah, yeah, she's not acting out now, which I get, but I did still want some of the. But pranks. like, yeah, if if you're if you're good at pranks, even if you're being fulfilled, you think you'd still you know drop one every now and then. <laughs> yeah, there's also still opportunity for, and they could have done it in this season. Maybe they'll do it next season. Like doing flashbacks to the pranks she was pulling on her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, what, even, I mean that's always available. Even if they don't show new pranks, like we could still mm-hmm. see old pranks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so Kobayashi's like, you know, talking to this kid, realizing kind of what's going on, and then <laughs> and then kind of gives her a hard time. He's like, you don't have enough power to go back, do you? <laughs> yeah. And the kid's just like, shit. No, I don't know. <laughs> And then Uh-oh, she saw through me. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Hey, you can. Do you want to stay here? You don't have to like trust or like me or whatever, but like, you need we, a place. We, to we, stay. You can stay. You can stay, yeah. and we can figure it out. Which I thought was nice. Like we can work on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can stay here until then. And but yeah, Kana's Con- um, just adorable. I don't know why the the deadpan kid uh, shtick is really funny to me. That bit gets me quite a bit too. There's one in um, Non Non Biori. It's it's literally just Kana in another show, like or or well, I guess this would be came after. So this is Kana or that character from uh, in here. Um, mm-hmm. But Kobayashi says, you know, once you have one dragon, two's nothing. Who can, <laughs> I guess I just accept <laughs> yeah. it now. Um, That's too many dragons. The part and, in this episode where they go out to the field to quote unquote play. <laughs> yeah, Kana's like, I want to play. I want some exercise. Let's do this. And Kobayashi's like, I'm just gonna lay down over here. You guys go over there and play or whatever. And then they have this like fucking battle. Like this like <laughs> DBZ battle. Yeah. And also the sound drops out here. Like there's no music in this moment. And it's just focused on like the sound of the breath attacks, the sound of like the earth erupting from their magical beams and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And Kobayashi's like, what the fuck? Play on a human level. And they're like, uh, we are. There's a <laughs> bunch of humans that can do shit like this. Yeah. The- Kobayashi's like, not in this world. And Toru has a line of, uh, no, they can. I've seen it on TV. And then it shows this, like, <laughs> clip of, like, this, like, anime-esque, like, swordsman just doing, like, slash, 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 slash. And then all these cuts appear on a giant metal door. Yeah. And it slides away. And Kobayashi's like, that's obviously fake. And Toru's like, well, not obviously. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there, there's also a line, like, after Kobayashi, like, gets up and starts, scra- you know, screaming at him or panicking. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I thought you were going to sleep. (laughs) She could just sleep through all that. (laughs) Um, This apocalyptic event happening next um, to us. Also, it's it's established that Kana plugs into the wall outlet to recharge and takes takes little naps. And then later in the series, you see that she's got her little, like, charging dock station with, like, stickers on it. Yeah. It's real cute. Um, 
Another nice little background bit yeah. that's like not really a focus. It's just a nice little like throw in detail. And um, so and then they go, oh, so we sh- you, sh- you should try and play at like human levels. And they're like, oh, hmm. And they think about it for a little bit. And then they just go, let's do what Kobayashi does. Yeah. <laughs> and, they both, and they both are like, oh, my back. <laughs> I have lower back pain. And they're just like <laughs> limping around the field for a little bit. Um, then they also, still- what would you do if there was like two kids playing and you were like, play on my level. And they were like, ah, my IBS. I'd be like, go fuck yourselves, kids. Like, you guys are pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah. But... And then, and we have a quick little montage of, uh, I guess Kobayashi goes off to work, and Kobayashi, or excuse me, Toru tries to teach Kana what she knows about living in the human world, is like, or at least our world, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she's only been there for like what a couple weeks, a month at this point. Yeah. And they go around, and then there was this bit with the uh, the seesaw. They're like, oh, this is uh, catapult training <laughs> for children. For anti-aerial attacks. Or anti-aerial, <laughs> yeah, anti-aerial attacks. And then they try it, and then it, like, launches them a thousand feet into the air. Uh, and they're just like, wow, this is fun. Who, whoever built that uh, seesaw needs, like, a raise, because they over engineered the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Man. That's it Japan. strong... It's a mix of dwarven mithril and adamantium. But, like, when she's explaining it and it's showing the, like, visual example of the kid, like, the throwing the kid. giant boulder and then flying up to, like, Superman punch the dragon, I lost my shit. Because it's also just still a little kid, like, laughing and doing that, like, toddler mm-hmm. giddiness while flying towards a dragon. It's like, yeah, that's a pretty good bit. Oh, another bit that I like, uh, it's mostly in these first three episodes, is Toru, like, trying to find things on the, figure things out on the internet. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, episode three, we get, um, we find out that, you know, this apartment's a little too small for all of them. And mm-hmm. they're bumping into each other. I guess they were like, was that like breakfast or uh, brushing their teeth and stuff in the bathroom? I don't know. But they're, they're all just, just trying all to in front of the mirror it. at yeah. the same time. And they uh, apply, because apparently Japan has these where you go to, like, some broker-type person and they'll take you around to rentals. Maybe that happens in big cities. That happened in big cities? I thought the implication was they were straight up buying an apartment space. Oh, like a condo? Like buying a flat I mean, or a condo. That's also just a realtor, guys. But I, I, like, I took it as a that. rental, but... I guess they have people that do that for rentals. Really? Realtors will do that for rentals. Yeah, yeah. In, in bigger cities for sure. Yeah. Well, I live in a small shitty town called Springfield, <laughs> Illinois. Okay. <laughs> like that's a thing we have now. I, I do think it's more common in Japanese culture, mm-hmm. but they tend to have way more dense cities, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it but was I just think- you throw in your application and hope and beg and pray anymore, not like oh you need to go check this out. Now you look at the Zillow listing and then give them your peasant money pay $75 for an application fee which then <sighs> it's in their benefit for them to not actually rent the place because if they have a bunch of people applying they're making $75 pop on each application it's very predatory and I've got a lot to say about it you get 10 <laughs> applications a month get into you that. have to rent it out and there's no wear and tear win win exactly so but fuck you but they find but okay. they find some cool spaces you know they're kind of goldilocksing it up a little bit too big too small too weird and but they also all look the exact fucking yeah. same. Um, but they find one with um, 
communal roof space, and Kobayashi seems to get a kick out of uh, Toru and Kana saying, like, wow, the sky is so big. Like, look at this. <laughs> Just having fun uh, yeah. with it. This must have been a former school. That's the only explanation I have. Mm. I thought it, too. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. looked at it, and I thought it, too. I was like, oh, I've been to this rooftop a million fucking mm-hmm. times in my life. Like, and Didn't we just watch this? Did they have to fight a bully to get the keys to the roof? Yep. No, but he was no, under they, a blanket on some chairs? No, they just have a uh, strangely close relationship with a man on the roof. <laughs> and... Um, I forgot what what was happening in this episode, episode three, but they ask one character. Kobayashi says it just like a, a little sideline. Says, "Are you a migratory bird?" I forgot what prompted <laughs> that, but I did write it down. Um, and we oh, get yeah, I, I do I do remember the line, but now I don't remember yeah. what prompted it. Um, and then we get this quick little quick little aside that still brings me much oh, joy. Oh, oh, I do remember she was flying. She would sleep in the air with her eyes closed. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 When she was like, I didn't have a place to stay. Sometimes I slept in the woods or a cave. Sometimes I slept while flying. Are you a migratory bird? I thought that was fucking <laughs> hilarious. And we get a quick little um, montage of... Um, was this the episode? packing with, and moving. Oh, no, that's next episode. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, they do some packing and moving. And there's a bit where... Kana just eats a butterfly. This is the first time we see Kana just eating something. Yeah. A, a live creature, rather. And But uh, this is also the mm-hmm. one where we get like uh Kobayashi wakes up with a hangover and it's like sound is coming from all three neighbors, like left neighbor, right neighbor, and the above neighbor. Mm-hmm. And this was a bit that I like because of the three neighbors, it's like the one guy's doing woodworking in his house. Yeah, that's loud. The other guy's, like, in a metal band. Yeah, that's loud. And then the girl's like, I was cooking. And there's this prevailing bit of they're like, what the fuck are you doing while you're cooking? <laughs> like, yeah. how, how do you make that much noise while cooking? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, it's like, like the other two neighbors goes, oh. were like, you were cooking? Holy fuck. <laughs> they're like, hold on, I'll be right back. And she comes back and she's like, here's some steamed broccoli. And Kobe, or Toro's even like, how the hell does steamed broccoli make that kind of noise? Like. Um, yeah, she goes back in the apartment. It's just ruckus, 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 and it's a small little bitty Tupperware of like broccoli with something else in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just before this, they also had a bit where Toru was washing, like barges into Kobayashi taking a bath and mm-hmm. offers to wash her because that's a thing. And but it's like you know a little bit of Kobayashi letting someone in, even if they barge in a little bit. Um, but just being like close and into like a an intimate like non sexual but intimate situation, you're always naked and mm-hmm. cl- cleaning each other. But then they're like, "Oh, do you want to get washed?" And then <laughs> and then Toru's just laying on their roof on and then the roof, sh- and Kobayashi just got a hose. And, <laughs> and then Toru's just like, "Ah, oh, this feels great." And then she just and Toru thinks or Kobayashi thinks to herself, "It feels like I'm washing a car." Yeah. <laughs> Which I got a kick, good kick out of. Um, yeah, it looks like it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like on your driveway, just hosing your car down. Yeah. Um. But we get a little nap time at the Kobayashi house because in a real quiet, like sweet moment. Because I think Kana's napping. Kobayashi's like, I'm tired. I'm gonna take a nap. And then mm-hmm. Toru like sits down on the floor and leans against her, but then starts grinding her fucking teeth. 
first they never bring it back up <laughs> but she just starts grinding her teeth and wakes them all up whatever uh and then toru at this point asks to invite her dragon friends over mm-hmm. and so if we're like having a little party um i guess it's kind of like a like a homewarming thing or just just in general just wants to see her friends uh but fafnir makes an appearance and he's this like Cthulian horror dragon. Yeah, crazy round amazing. lamprey <laughs> mouth and like tentacle legs, but still like has wings. Six eyes. Yeah, like because I, I maybe there was another maybe even before this, but because because Toro does call Fafnir again at some point. Maybe it's later, and I forget. But I he's think just, it's episode two. The calls are all pretty early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, 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 they'll show that like all, all the dragons are all incredibly intelligent and just pick up fast. On like mm-hmm. everything, um, but yeah, she calls him and, and he just says, "Kill them!" And immediately, no, nah, that's not gonna help. She hangs up <laughs> immediately, like, "You have to kill." Click. Uh, but Fafnir comes in. He turns into this b- butler outfit and walks in. <laughs> Dude, Kobayashi's <laughs> so intimidated that she defaults to her corporate greeting. Like, like, like she's meeting a corporate bigwig and immediately like yeah. introduces herself. I'm in IT. I do this. <laughs> yeah, he watched Black Butler once and he's like, oh, that's that shit. I'm doing that. That's my aesthetic now. I'm going to find a small boy and put him in a corset. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't know. Someone tried to sell Black <laughs> Butler to me once. And I was like, huh, okay. And then I, cl- I saw one clip and I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> oh, good news! It's on the it's on the uh, roll list. It's so on we the might trash get it eventually. List. Yeah. Well, is, it, is it on trash? Yeah, it's on trash. Better yeah. be. Um, but Quetzalcoatl shows up too, and she's got the she got, she's got she, double dragon titties. Yeah, yeah. Also, I made a double dragon joke to Caitlin nice. for this, and she did not think it, she hated uh, it. divorce. It was it divorce. was it was a goddamn it, Dan joke moment. <laughs> Just within our household, because like she said something about the Deaver Dragon, and she was like, "Well, if Toru has Deaver Dragon, what does Lakoa have?" And I was like, "Double D for Double Dragon." Mm-hmm. She's like, "Shut the fuck up, Marcus." <laughs> it's like, "Yes, nice. I earned this." Nice. Um, and then a little bit of there's this kind of undercurrent of this like slut shaming that they do. Sometimes they do it in a funny way where it's like, "Oh, we need to cover you," but then. Kobayashi was like looking at her outfit. They even like give her little like the little dotted little lines, dotted lines to show the vision. Looking at all of the outfit, which is a little rough. Um, yeah. Well, there's also a line like, "How did you even get here dressed like that?" I think it was, and I'm like, "I don't love that." Um, yeah, yeah. She says, "Did you walk over here dressed like that in the dub?" Yeah, and that's got to be a culture thing. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. make it right. Doesn't make it right. But it makes it normal for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fafnir is—he's very reluctant to interact with anyone. He's curmudgeonly old bastard. But then, <laughs> I guess did, I guess Takia was Takia over. I assume he came over. He yeah. came. He came over. And they're playing some Dark Souls knockoff. Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I laughed real hard at that. And then uh, Fafnir, whatever, he picks up the controller. He does the like. Trying to move the controller around bullshit like an early gamer does. I also love the line. And again, just a small little throwaway, not a background acting, but like a small little throwaway 
where he's like, oh, yeah, good, now hit him. Nope, nope, you can't attack him while he's doing that. And then it shows him get hit and roll back. And I'm like, I know too many fucking moves in Dark Souls games where it's like, oh, here's my opportunity to hit the boss. And it's like, nope, you can't do that. That's bait. You're going to get hit, mm-hmm. dog. It's like every fucking Dark Souls game. And then Fafnir had some sort of compulsion to like go after treasure chests, so he just kept getting mimic attacked over and over. Yeah, some oh, sort man. of compulsion. He's a dragon who was yeah. specifically known to have a, like a big well, horde. But he specifically, <laughs> even more so than the other dragons, is yeah. even more compulsed to go yeah. get. He like, is treasure. very horde well, focused. <laughs> and uh, uh, what's what's his fucking name? Uh, God damn it! Why am I playing it on his name? Takia mm-hmm. uh, yeah. says to him, he's like. Don't go for that chest. Don't go for that chest. And then he immediately goes for the chest and gets bitten and dies. And he's like, that's what we call a mimic. And Fafnir's like, this game is stupid. <laughs> but then the next, I think there was a, I don't know if it was a background bit or they just a quick little aside, but Fafnir is watching it, the screen from like six inches away. Like he yeah. is just all up in <laughs> Zoned that. in. Um, and, you know, the party's kind of winding down and things, you know, people are kind of chill. Uh I think it was Lukoa, because Lukoa, other than being a rough character for her gag, is seems to be the most like emotionally intelligent, mature person of the crew, because she has these little like drops of wisdom every now and then, or just notices things. Mm-hmm. In the sub. Oh, okay. Ugh. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Um, yeah. But she says like, "Oh, Toru's never smiled this much." Uh and someone says that Kobayashi didn't used to smile very much either. So they've already shown mm-hmm. that like both of them are good for each other in just them being happy. Um, They're lifting each other up, yeah. And uh, what was it? Toru, somebody smacks Fafnir, like in the arm or something, and fucks up his dark souls, and he just you just see him seething. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but so that's kind of the end of that episode. They just had a nice little party, and then they all go back mm-hmm. their own ways. Um. That takes us into episode four. Kana notices a bunch of um, like grade schoolers, yeah, going to school. They're cute little hats and shit. Yeah, and it's it, the assumption Iowa had is she'd been watching them like every day for mm-hmm. a minute for a while, and they even say that like I, I think she's been watching these kids and is a little jealous. Mm-hmm. So Kana wants to go to school, so we get this fun little montage of them getting school supplies. And yeah, also they go to the store and it's like supposed to be like a mall. And Tober's like, can we go anywhere but here? And I related to that pretty hardcore because <laughs> I do not fucking like going to the mall. But then anytime it's like, oh, this is the only place I can buy this particular thing. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. She's like, they so remind not- me of human castles. And then bad things always <laughs> yeah. happen there. <laughs> um, But so they go to. Was it like a small mom and pop shop for stationery? Mm-hmm. And then Kana and is like, just pouting. Because it's <laughs> just basic stationery and it's not cute enough. So yeah, Kobayashi we have to go to stoked. somewhere else. Kobayashi's stoked. Like, look at these ultra-functional, excellent <laughs> stationery. And yeah. Kana's like, no. Cute. Yeah, no this, no, no frills. Nothing. Here you go. Which is every kit. Like, if you got a folder for math class and it was just red, which red is the color for math. I don't care what anyone says. And it was just, shut the fuck up. What? And it was just a plain red folder. No, I want a folder with a fucking Lamborghini on it or some shit. Yeah. I don't need your boring milk toast shit. 
I Scholastic had, Bowl Fair, give me the cool fucking folders, and a poster of Scooby-Doo and a Michael Jordan jersey slam dunking. I think when The Lost World came out in Jurassic Park, I had a lot of Jurassic mm. Park folders. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so they get to, eventually, they, you know, Kobayashi's like, okay, we'll go, we'll go to the, 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 like, cutesy, nicer store in the mall. But you know, Toru finally relinquishes it. Well, no, I, th- okay. I think that one was the first couple stores were still in that little shopping district mm-hmm. that Toru knew about. It was the backpack they had to go to the mall for. Mm. Okay, okay. Oh, you're, yeah, yeah, you're right. But they go to get the backpack, and then but there was a, a part where they find like a rubber stamp, and they're like, "Oh my god, what is this? Is this a?" <laughs> Is this a brand you use to like mark your property? And then Toru's like, use it on me. <laughs> immediately starts to disrobe and says, use it on me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So like even though it was slightly trashy, it was still hilarious. That's that's what I would like King Trash, where it's like, this is trash that I'm enjoying. Yeah, and yeah, I hate yeah. myself for enjoying it. Like because it wasn't like someone else going up to Toru and be like, hey, let me brand you with this and mark you as yeah, my property. Yeah, you're mine now. No, it's her requesting it. Yeah. So, you know, consent's, consent's important, people, even in comedy. And um, and they see some, like, unicorn stuff, and they're like, oh, that's gaudy. And then for some reason, Toru is like, man, I think unicorn would be very happy about this. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> that he's plastered over everything. Like, like there's <laughs> one man... Named Unicorn one out there. Dude. <laughs> and then and it's like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Oh, Unicorn? He's pretty chill. I didn't realize Unicorn was such a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. And then and then and then Kobayashi just looks up, looks over and says, A part of me wants to ask, and a part of me doesn't. Uh, and then they are they go for the backpacks. Kana sees the a, a red one and is like, mm-hmm. oh, and then she does her like classic. Oh, sound where she just gets excited. I can't do it, and I'm probably making it weird. But and every time there's something that's like dark red, Toru comments like, "Oh, it's dyed with blood. Dyed with yeah. It's oh, of course you'd choose a cursed item that's absorbed human blood." Um, But then Kana sees a little like keychain that she wants to attach to her backpack, but decide after seeing the price and seeing. Uh, Kobayashi like fret over the price, like puts it back, and Kobayashi sees her put it back. So Kobayashi does the go back later, get it, and give it to her as a gift. Thing. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. sweet because Kana is a good girl and sees that uh, this shit's expensive, and she knows Kobayashi works real hard. But then Kobayashi still, still, still brings it and is like, "Here, here's a gift for you. I saw you looking at this earlier." My grandma always used to do that. With specifically like Hot Wheels cars and Pokemon booster packs, where she'd see me looking at it and she'd be like, What are you looking at? And I'd just be kind of like, Oh, nothing. Because I mean, we grew up pretty poor. And so I would just like turn and walk away. And then, like, when we're checking out at the like at the lane, I would notice her like scan the car, the Hot Wheels car I was looking at or something like that. And it was always like this, like, warm feeling oh, yeah. moment of like a oh so like that one resonated with me quite a bit and I was like oh this is that god damn it this is that comfy cozy good mm-hmm. shit motherfucker yeah. like yeah yeah grandma slide of handing it into the into the lane <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey kid my perception checks were fucking terrible back then so uh but they're walking home at you know after the after the purchase and I guess uh 
they're she's wearing the backpack. She's like, look at this. I got the backpack, mm-hmm. and they're all hold uh, Kobayashi and Connor are holding hands, and Toru is just like, <gasps> I want to hold hands, and <laughs> the the frantic nature of her like need of affection tapers off, thankfully. But like the early bits are fun and, and it's a gag. But I thought that they tapered off of those nicely, in a good way. in a good it way. Didn't like become it, like it didn't outstay its welcome. She wasn't so needy the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Toru seems to get more secure in her own feelings. I think as the yeah. show goes on. But the way they well, do yeah, it even, is funny. I forgot what well. episode it was where she even has a line of like, "Are you cheating on me?" Oh, that's like, like that. eight when. Uh, Elma shows up. shows up. Elma shows up, yeah. I thought she had an earlier moment with it. Maybe Takia? That might have been it. Well, she was very suspicious of Takia early, but mm-hmm. the one where she's specifically accusing uh, Kobayashi of cheating when she first comes in the door was when Elma shows up. Oh, she smell him, maybe? Oh, she you're right. Elma you're right. I did kind of all binge this at once. Yeah. Um. So that might have been my problem. Uh, so I apologize. But Kana wore the whole, the backpack the whole day at home. Uh, even went to sleep with it like a gremlin. Yeah. And was sleeping with on her back. <laughs> like on her back. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, she went to sleep with it. But then they immediately show her and be like, eh, th- throws it off. That, that's how you get lower back problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how you become Kobayashi. You're going to regret that when you're 30, kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, next bit was, oh, yeah. So I mentioned that this was very skit kind of oriented mm-hmm. where there'd be like, three, maybe four little bits throughout the episode. What did you guys think of how that went? So it was generally connected and in order. mm -hmm. So for the most part, it felt pretty good. I loved the little, like, five-dot transitions they (laughs) did. They would always be slightly different. Like, that was a really cute, nice touch. So it, But it didn't feel, like, broken up or incongruent because it felt like everything flew. It's like, oh, but this is end of the snapshot into their life and then we're going to go on to the next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really feel like it was skits or things like heavily broken up. It all felt like it was pretty well connected and balanced. Because I was looking at this through like a post-Kaguya-sama world where those were very, <laughs> in general, much more self-contained What the couple yeah. having a little bit more es- of a Especially line. season one Kaguya. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those are very yeah. much more like separated and self-contained for the most part. So I was... As you go... F- Further into Kaguya, it's closer to this where stuff tends to lead into the, the yeah. next thing. But yeah, early on in Kaguya, that is definitely the vibe where it's different than this. Yeah. Because that's and what I was worried that's about that going it, back into it. That I was too when you said that initially. Like in the part one where you said it was more skit oriented, I was worried that that would take away from my enjoyment of it. But in this one, it did feel a lot less disjointed. It still felt like it flowed. And also, I think what helped is that. Actions or developments from a previous skit would bleed mm-hmm. into the next one. So, like, uh, Kana getting the book bag. We see that book bag later on. And things like that. Where yeah. It's like, they didn't need to it, keep that it fucking... continue. They didn't need to keep that fucking wooden gorilla that yeah. they got from the neighbor. But he was there in almost every shot of them in the living every room. Every shot and then the rooster on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> or not on the TV, but on, like, the table and stuff yeah. like that are next to the TV. And so it felt like it was time progressing, whereas some other shows that will do, like, skit comedy or snapshots like that, they don't feel connected. Like, this could have happened in any order, and the same outcome would have happened. Whereas this, it's very much a, this happened, we get a little bit of progress, this happened, we get more progress, 
and it's a continuing flowing narrative as opposed to here's just like a mad TV SNL style skit yeah. that doesn't connect to anything yeah. else. And, and the few that would feel like they could have just been shoved anywhere were usually real short. Short, uh, ultra short, mm-hmm. yeah. Like after uh, Elma shows up and the ones where she's struggling to pick something, like those were yeah. max <laughs> 60 seconds yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah, and then Super at the end of each episode usually had one short little aside that mm-hmm. didn't really add much, but was usually just a little gag. Um, but now we get... Um, so, and then Kana now goes to school goes for to the school. first time. Mm-hmm. And, and just owns the schoolyard. Meet, yeah. This There's, is where we meet Rico for the first time as well. No no mercy at dodgeball. They set yeah. up this no mercy dodgeball bullshit from this episode. I yeah. will say Rico was probably the second character where I thought they didn't give her enough depth. Because yeah. she was super one note in a relationship with Kana. Yeah. Bro, I hated this fucking kid. Yeah. It's a little... I fucking she's, hated She's this weak. Kid. Um, season two... Well, yeah, she's a toddler. Hmm? I said, yeah, yeah. she's a toddler. Yeah, she, they're supposed to be, what, third grade? For shit. Yeah, something like that. The, the toddler extends to fourth grade. I don't know. Fuck you guys. I don't have kids. They're children. Let's go. They're children. But, yeah, she, she's not great other than just being Kana's, like, classmate. Um, But she, like, tries to pick kind of like a fight with Kana a little bit like tries to confront her for whatever reason but then she just slips like you're so cute it ticks me off <laughs> and then and then she just and then she starts crying or uh, Kana starts crying she's like I just wanted to get along with everyone and and then mm-hmm. yeah she's she's gone at that point yeah nope and then she goes here here's some candy and then boom tears are gone candy <laughs> but I yeah. get that very then, food motivated and then Tara was like doing the like concealment thing and mm-hmm. watching through the window and it's like you were fake crying. She's like, I just didn't want to. Avo- I just wanted to avoid the fight. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> yep. Little shit. Uh, but she gets back home. You know, it's like, hey, congrats on your first day at school. Here's the little charm, and they have like a sweet moment mm-hmm. where they give there's lots of hugs and stuff. Um, but the next they show later, I guess some time has passed. Uh, I forgot what what was her character's name? R- yeah, Rico. Uh, I guess Rico. Rico and Kana were playing out in uh, a, like a local park because people in Japan do that. Uh, <laughs> and anymore in the U.S. is like, you can't go anywhere without parental supervision because there's fuckers out there. Yeah. And um, you'll, you'll get double murdered if you go to the park alone. Yeah. <laughs> they will murder you, hire a necromancer to resurrect you, and then murder you again. And... uh a rogue ball comes for Rico, like out of nowhere. Kana blocks it, and then R- Rico and does some matrix shit to block it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she like does like flash step. You know, I was like, "What is bleach?" And then she pops over, blocks it. Rico yells at these older kids. Um, they're initially they're just like, "Hey, like, sorry, kid," but I mean, it is what it, it is, is. What it is? Like, like we're just playing ball. That shit happens. Mm. Um. But then she calls the one dude American Gorilla and called the other one a black-haired mama's boy. <laughs> and, and then basically challenged him for, like, rights of the playground. Yeah, to yeah. a dodgeball match. Uh, and then, yeah, this is another one of the top-notch ep- <laughs> of, like, it scenes. goes off, yeah. Like, they, for no reason. They handily, 
uh, beat these kids. I, I loved the... Well, and that's not the part that pops off. That's normal. Yeah, no, yeah, that's pretty normal. Except, the, the, the but the first throw is all very dramatic from the boys. They throw yeah. it right at Toru, and she just casually catches it. <laughs> and then, I think, beans him in the stomach real fucking good. And then yeah. they, they just demolish them all. Uh, the only booby gag that really made me laugh at this show was when Lukoa had the ball and was running at one of the, the, the young men or young boys there. And he just like, doesn't know what to do. He's just kind of <laughs> laughing awkwardly. He's like, ah, 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 I don't know. <laughs> and she's just like, sorry about this. Boop. But then they're like, um, Hey, that wasn't nearly enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it, is it, is today the day I finally beat you two? And then they go on and have a DBZ dodgeball match. Yeah, and it's it was some hunter great. hunter shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, baseball episodes are. I'm so over it. Let's just have more dodgeball episodes, bro. That dodgeball bit in Hunter Hunter was some of the best shit I've ever seen in anime. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and it was it was fucking dodgeball. Yeah, although they were the one homie was just volleyball move the whole time. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Uh, episode five. We get... Yeah, so this one is when Toru basically uses the perception block magic. Uh, and she's going to go spy on Kobayashi at work. This, this is where we truly get uh, Kobayashi's boss or manager or whatever. And he's just kind of like heaping his work onto mm-hmm. Kobayashi. And... Kobayashi has her own work that she's trying to do with like certain deadlines that she's trying to meet. And, and even she's also Taki, like just trying to help out. Like she's got like a six coworker out and she's trying to help him yeah. and all this other stuff. And her boss is like deprioritize all that focus on my shit. Yeah. Well, cause even Taki is like, Hey, can you help me? And uh, she says, no, uh, I, I want to say his name was Famutsu or something like that is out sick and he's got this thing that he's got to get done. And if he doesn't, he's screwed. So I'm taking it over for him. And again, this is a moment where Taki is like kind of just a bro where he's like, Oh no, no, you don't have to apologize. Like that's your own thing. You handle your shit. I'll be fine. But then this other boss comes over and even someone else in the office is like, that guy sucks. (laughs) He's even heaping her shit, his shit onto her. And it's not even that pressing. Like it's not even that like stressful of a project. But dub actor kills it here because he's like, you got to get this done, Kobayashi. Jesus H. Christ. What? Really leans into it. And I laughed my ass off just at how hard he delivered that, like, that Jesus Christ. Like, that actor was really mad in the moment. (laughs) It was like channeling that into this performance and did it fucking well. Because the, the Japanese VA was like screechy little sh- weaselly shit, and they I thought they did a pretty good job with a, making a very overblown cartoonish character. Mm-hmm. I I hope that that's not how the managers work over there. <laughs> the English VA, though, sounds like it should be like a police chief. Like, I'll have your gun and oh, your badge, yeah. Kobayashi. <laughs> On my Dude, desk. It very much was. It very much was, and that shit cracked me up because I was not ready for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because it, well, it was a moment where this particular episode I was watching the sub and I was like, I kind of just want to hear how this guy yells because I always find performances interesting in the dichotomy of yells between like 
Japanese VA, English VA, because sometimes yelling is approached a lot differently between the two. So I always like kind of flip flop, but him just also the Jesus H Christ. I was like, this is fucking great. Holy shit. But then we get the, uh, he, he walks away satisfied that he's yelled at Kobayashi and foisted his work off onto, onto them. And Tor, Toru, well, we don't see Toru in this, but then he just trips suddenly. Tries, yeah. tries to get back up. Doesn't even get all the way back up into a full extent. Trips again. Well, no, the first time we do see... The first time... Oh, we do see Toru right. trip him. Oh. And he, he just trips the once. But then he comes mm-hmm. back and tries to foist even more work on Kobayashi, oh, and that's oh. when we have the endless trip. Yeah, it was like seven in a row. And then the employee, other employees are like, man, he's having a hard time. <laughs> and this was, again, where it was like throwaway background acting a little bit. Because not necessarily background, but just like tiny shit. Because he trips and he's like, oh, what the hell? Who did that? I don't even see anybody. Okay, well, I'll get up now. Oh, I fell again. Why? (laughs) And it's just like this little sequence of like him verbalizing his thoughts that is fucking great for the comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, lean into this more and don't make it so quiet. Like people need to hear this good shit (laughs) that you're doing. Uh. And then from here we get, uh, what was this, episode five still? Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Fafnir is trying to move into the living world, or living world, the human world. (laughs) Uh, And they, I guess guess they come to uh, Toru for help, and then they get to Takia. It's like, hey, would you be all right with taking Fafnir in? He needs a place to stay. Takia's like, yeah. Yeah, why not? And I don't know. I don't know if it's just because he's full on like these motherfuckers are dragons. Yeah, <laughs> they'll kill me. <laughs> but also, um, but Fafnir and him they get along really well. And this was a, another like air quote little family unit of these two like platonic male dude like just guys two bros just two bros growing it out growing it out like real good and. Um, you know, I love the bits where Fafnir like games really fucking hard, and he stay like <laughs> him being himself, like. Uh, but the people just assume he's staying in character whenever he's like, "Oh, yeah. like you beauty humans can't talk to me." He's like, "Oh man, your 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 RP is always great." <laughs> yeah, this was a moment that I will say I had a big complaint about. I think it was a Crunchyroll issue, but when he's like typing in general chat on whatever MMO he's playing or private chat or something. Both the English dub and the subversion did not provide alt text of what was being said for whatever reason. Weird. When I was watching Are you on it, that so PlayStation like, app again? That was on PlayStation and computer. Okay, because I definitely saw the text. I saw the text. Yeah, because that's what. And it was it, it was stuff like, uh, "Oh man, he's gonna be on all night again. He never sleeps. Another all night." <laughs> Yeah, and I knew it was someone like kind of talking trash like that, just based off his reaction and context. Clues. Not really. <laughs> they weren't talking well, trash. They were just like, "Oh that's man." That's what I assumed right, right, because right. of his. But like, it popped. It it would show the Japanese text, but it wouldn't show an English translation. So I was like, "Oh, what the fuck?" That's really weird. I thought it was the PlayStation app messing up, so I went to my laptop, and it still wasn't coming up. And I just thought that was an unfortunate misstep. It was like, wow, that's. I feel like you're ruining your own gag here by now. Yeah, that sounds like an me. error on whatever. Because I watched my shit on Crunchyroll, and I saw it just mm-hmm. fine. 
They had a same. So that's but a shame. I also have sometimes where it won't let me watch it in any language besides English or Portuguese. So it's it's my yeah. weird, unique experiences with Crunchyroll. Yeah, something in my settings is like you're a Portuguese man, right? And I'm like, no. Well, well, too bad. You're watching ReZero in Portuguese. Like, cool. <laughs> you're gonna be by the time you finish watching all these. Anime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, let's see here. Uh, episode. This is all, yeah. I was gonna say this is also where we get the spoon bending trick. Oh yeah, the spoon bending trick. They try it and they they get they fuck up all the spoons in the house. Yep. Yeah. I thought this bit was great because it's like you can do magic. <laughs> yeah. You can just do magic. Why are you so focused on this one trick when you can do this? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's interesting like perspective where magic for them is so standard. But mm-hmm. when like a sleight of hand type of visual effect is shocking, because like they, it's like I don't see any magic going on here. How the fuck did they do that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a later episode, and but I think it's like episode eleven or twelve where she's talking about how good the rice and vegetables are in this world. She's like, it's some spell called selective breeding. They'll have to teach me how to do <laughs> <Yeah>. it sometime. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, the I didn't detect any magic thing and then being blown away about it. All I could think about was no alchemy circle the whole yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> like this very full metal alchemist. Um, but let's uh, they go through a weird training regiment. Uh, they try to f- figure out how to do it. I they're under the training. waterfall like, at one point. Yeah, and a log. Like a big ass log comes down the waterfall, bonks Toru, and she doesn't even notice it. Looks up, and she's like, "What was that?" And they're trying to do all this like meditation and training. And um, there's a bit where Kobayashi gives Kana a snack, like feeds her one, and then Toru just comes. She was one spot, and they even show her outline of where she was because now she's sprinting yeah. over to get a snack as well. Uh, well, because Toru says something like, I'm fasting to train my body. And Kobayashi says, oh, well, I brought snacks. And Toru's like, I don't need that. I'm oh, yeah, mentally yeah, yeah. strong. And she feeds Kana one. And then Toru's like, I want one too. Comes sprinting over. Like, yeah, yeah that was a pretty good yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last bit of this episode was <laughs> they're watching TV. That's <laughs> well, well, it's because uh, Kobayashi shows them the trick. I guess, which I don't mm-hmm. still don't understand. Um, oh man, I forgot about this bit. Th- they show her the trick. It's nothing special. It's just a, a magician does, and they're watching TV. <laughs> and there's a magician with like the body swap box, whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gag. And then she's like, "Huh, let me show you this." And then Toro disappears, and she appears in the other box on TV. On TV, and everyone's just like, "Wow, what the fuck is going on?" <laughs> Well, the magicians the are like, was like, what happened to the assistant? <laughs> yeah, what happened to the assistant? She's just stuffed into a box somewhere. Uh, um, that brings us to episode six. Uh, Rico invites Kana, Toru, Kobayashi, the whole, the like the crew, um, to meet their older sister, George. Well, their maid. We don't Georgie. know it that yet. Yeah, we just know it's their maid. Yeah. Their maid, Georgie. Heavy fucking sigh on this episode from me. I fucking hated this episode. Yeah, yeah. This is when this was like the episode where I think in the first p- part of this I said, "Leave the kids alone." I'm like, just, yeah. just it's, it's just weird. So well, it's like uh, Kana and Rico playing Twister. Yeah, and it's one of those like over animated moments. 
where it's like, this is sketchy as fuck. Yeah. And it's a shame. Because yeah. there's so much good with the show that's just like, why? This this gives the ick. Mm-hmm. And season two, I think, dials it down on the younger kids. But they introduce another character who's like 14-ish age range. 15, mm-hmm. maybe. And they, they 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 do her dirty too. Um, yeah, yeah. But and then, she's an interesting character for a little bit, and then she just kind of falls back into the background real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a gag that I still think about that is so fucking hilarious in season two. Uh, but <laughs> maybe we'll get there someday. Um, but Georgie and Kobayashi are having a, a nice time just geeking out about maid stuff. Which is which is fun. It's always fun to have to meet someone who's got your special interest too. Um, mm-hmm. And then the the, the weird kids uh, stuff. But <laughs> we get to Lukoa. Uh, apparently, one night from hanging out, she was just walking home or walking down the street because she can just tell you know portal through anywhere. Mm-hmm. But she's just walking down the street and she just notices. She's like, "Huh, someone's trying to summon something." Or, or, or uh, summon like a demon, huh? Oh no! And she like does like a scrying, and it's just a kid. She even says like, "I was just bored, and I thought, why not?" And like jumps <laughs> she through jumps his summoning through portal, his summoning circle. I laughed so fucking hard at that part. Uh, like just a oh, someone's summoning something. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and jumps through it like that. W- that one was really good. Yeah, to me. yeah, and it's just a. A funny little like meta bit, like what really does come through your summoning circle? There's something, some, you know, like in a fantasy world, like what you're trying to summon yeah. or what was just bored. <laughs> and it was like, eh, yeah, what's going exactly. on over here? Um, <laughs> oh, somebody's doing something. Yeah, she 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 jumps through. And he's like, oh, like there's this little mage boy. He wants to become strong, and she takes a liking to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, too it's, much. It's, it's it's whatever. Um, but. <laughs> The early gag that I did like was that he thought, because he was trying to summon a demon, so he thought he summoned a succubus. Mm-hmm. And because she's very uh, womanly uh, and mostly naked all the time. So, yeah, reasonable. Also, why, when she got summoned, did she just not have clothes now? She jumped through with clothes. <laughs> Do clothes not go through? Well, no, they're, they're, they're her scales. scales. I don't know. I'm mad about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. More on the, the succubus angle, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. But then, uh, we see Fafnir, uh, he's, he, he's gone off the deep end on being a full otaku. He is fully immersed playing 18, 19 hours, 20 hours of the day or whatever the hell. He's 21 maybe. So it was, <laughs> it was 21. 21. Because specifically, uh, Takia says like, how many hours were, or how long were you logged in, man? And he says, or how many Hours are your average login. And Fafnir says, 21 hours. And Takia says, ooh, you're borderline becoming an addict. Borderline? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, 21 hours is borderline? Jesus, dude. Oh, and I, I did like they, they like threw it out on a fighting game to decide who who gets Who has to clean the yeah. dishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, wow, what a like bro gamer thing to do. It, oh, yeah. It's like, who's doing the chores? Uh, we're throwing down. That's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Three stocks, final destination, no items. No Let's items. fucking do it. 1v1 me, bro. Lose your cleans. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, also, I skipped that a little bit. Uh, the reason we had that flashback with Lukoa jumping through the portal is because she has reached out to Toru and Kobayashi and brought them over to Shota's house to try mm-hmm. and convince him that she's not a demon. Yeah, like, he won't listen to me. Can you guys talk some sense? And then she's like, I keep doing these things that'll prove to him that I'm a dragon. It's like, no, you're just sexually assaulting this poor child. Dude, yeah. Also, kind of overall note, Shota's voice in English bothered me so much, and I could not figure out why. Not that the performance was bad, just something about it felt very, very off to me. So I looked it up. Shoda in English is voiced by Allison Victorin. Perfectly fine voice actor. She's super good at what she does. She's the voice of QT from Space Dandy. So hearing her voice in that same inflection, not modulated to sound mm-hmm. like a robot, just sounded wrong to me. QT, and it QT was, was my favorite part of uh, Space Dandy. But like hearing QT with not without that voice modulation, I was like, why does this feel so fucking wrong? Hmm. I don't know. Something's off about this. And that's why. So just fun little sprinkling effects. Yeah. Uh, and I think, is is this the episode? Yeah, that we have a little bit of rain. There's, and this is like a quiet um, bit to lead us out of the episode where they're mm-hmm. walking around with like umbrellas. Kana has a little rain chant and dance, which is real cute. And then they mm-hmm. see Fafnir hanging out just with an umbrella across the street. Oh, I and, love this And he's moment. just waiting outside. And they're like, oh, I wonder how he's doing. And then Takia comes out of the store whatever, with stuff, and they just go walking down the street together. And then they're like, oh, no, I think I think Fafnir's going to be okay. And well, but Fafnir has a voiceover part here. Like, yeah. talking about he's talking about hits and misses with humans yeah, or people like, in general. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you, you can spend time with people, and they might immediately show you they're a miss, or they might show you they're a miss years later. Uh but he's like, but but occasionally you can get a hit, and then he like thinks about um, uh, Takaya and says, "Yeah, he, he he's a hit." Yeah, because Takia says something about like some inconvenience thing. He says, "Oh, I don't mind. You're a hit." Yeah, he's he says, "Sorry for taking so mm. long in there, man, and making you wait out here in the rain." And Fafnir goes, "Don't worry about it. You're a hit." He's like, and "What?" <laughs> okay. Takia's like, "What?" And he's like, "Don't worry about it. Let's go." Yeah, but and I I loved that. Yeah. One. So Fafnir and Takia, their friendship is 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 a great part of the show too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, of the non-main plots, theirs is my favorite subplot. Agreed, mm-hmm. hard agree. Because um, I guess we'll get there. But episode seven, <gasps> the beach episode. The beach episode. And to their credit, they even the episode's called Summer Staples, and in parentheses, the fan service episode. The fan service episode. Frankly, frankly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, at least they know. Um, I, I, I generally liked the uh, the bracketed subplots mm-hmm. to the titles too. Usually they were either a fun little joke or at least like a nod to the audience. The, yeah, there's one like the episode title for the sports episode or the sports festival <laughs> cracked my shit up because it was like sports festival. There's no twist or anything. Yep, and I I, I love that. <laughs> and one. I was expecting a twist, and it they played it pretty 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 straight. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, beach episode. And they Kobayashi uh, takes the whole crew uh, to the beach, and they, they walk out there, and then they look around, and Ko- <laughs> Toru is still saying the like really sus shit, where she's like, "Oh, with all these people here, it's 
tempting to just mow them all down. <laughs> yeah. oh, Jesus. The fuck. beach is too crowded. Let's kill them all. Let's kill them all. <laughs> um, they wouldn't even see it coming. And Jesus then fucking Christ, dude. Lukoa shows up in a uh, bikini that is a little too revealing. And like a lifeguard, morality police yeah. person shows up, <laughs> grabs her, wraps her up in a, in a towel. And Throws a blanket <laughs> around her. Yeah. Come with me now. Um, we get your uh, classic sunscreen bit, which is weird. Uh, I will say there was one of the only titty bits that made me laugh here was Shoda is like behind Lukoa, and Lukoa's like doing like the bouncing boobily thing, and Shoda's like, "God, I'm so uncomfortable," and then runs behind Kobayashi and is like, "Whew, now I I'm feel, not uncomfortable." I feel safe. <laughs> and Kobayashi's like, that's not the compliment you think it is, kid. <laughs> so, I mean, because every now and then they'd be able to do, like, a boob gag like that that was mm. still funny. But some, some of they them They needed to pick hit. their spots better. There was yeah. way yeah. too many of them, and most of them were not winners. Yeah. But this yeah. one was a good one because... That one, that one made me laugh. Just that, that's not the compliment you think it is, kid. Yeah. I laughed my ass off. Uh, like, that was a, I had to pause and wait a moment because I was laughing. I think there was much. another episode where they were like, oh, putting Toru into an outfit that Kobayashi owned. And, oh, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, at least with this, I can let out, like, the chest a little bit. And then. Oh, and, yeah, that was the Yakuta. Which, oh, that's, that's much later. Which, but, for, which is the New Year's yeah. episode. But one of the running mm-hmm. gags was, like, anytime Toru's breast size came up. Sometimes there would be a little aside in the bottom corner, like a little thought bubble of Kobayashi going like, eh, like pissed a little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't, that's, those made me laugh. Um, but, it, mm-hmm. but anyway, this beach scene, they, you know, Kobayashi's just hanging out under the, um, the umbrella. Uh, Shota is also hanging out. They're, they're both like that speed on the beach or they just want to hang out. Yeah. Um, but like Kobayashi basically admits, like, I wouldn't even really have wanted to come, but you guys were all excited, so I wanted to let you guys have your fun. So, yeah. yeah. But that's, I thought that was a bit of growth. Like, it seemed like Kobayashi just did whatever Kobayashi wanted all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, she kind of lived in her own little bubble, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not barely even talking to her parents, which is, depending on the person, that it may be, uh, you know, strange. Um, and, you know, they're talking, and then this is we get the gag with Kana and the crab, where she's just oh, watching yeah, it come God. by, grabs it, and fucking eats it. Yeah, and it's not the <laughs> focus of the shot, and I lost my shit. <laughs> um, then it's one of those, if you weren't looking for it, you'd miss it mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of things. And I I think those are some of the best jokes. Yeah. Like, like, the subtle humor is, a well, maybe not subtle, but, like, not in-your-face humor. Yeah. I think is some of the best. Um, like the fucking background act. We get the uh, the watermelon. The I guess the watermelon splitting is a thing that people do, where you like half bury it, take a yeah, baseball. and then kind of just obliterates the fucking she thing. Obliterates. Yeah. And then, then Toru's like, "Good job. There's not a trace of it left." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "You didn't get the 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 whole point was us to have a little fun and then eat watermelon." Yeah. And she just goes, yeah, no, you Gallaghered this. Yep. Um, and then they have a swimming race. Like, oh, don't go, like, don't make too much of a scene. And they jump into the water. War- water? War- they jump water. Jump into the water. Water. 
and torpedo themselves to some floating platform. Also, anime sports moment where they're having a psychic like conversation where Kana's like, that's pretty good, Lady Toru, but I'm going to catch you. And Toru's like, you haven't even seen a fraction of my power. <laughs> and they're like swimming under the water super fast. Mm-hmm. But then eventually they all bounce from the beach and because they're like, oh, we can't really stretch our legs. So then they're like, all right, we're going to go to the middle of the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was it Koyashi asks, can I ride you, I think? Mm-hmm. And then they go and they go Toru's out. Toru's psyched about yeah, it. Yeah. And they go, go and have like a leisurely hangout in the middle of the ocean. Uh, Toru got her, we- or her wings up, shading everyone. They're fishing or trying mm-hmm. to. And it's just super chill. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we cut back real quick to them hanging out. This is one of the little aside ones where she's like, hey, I got th- I won this f- dragon firework. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> she oh, yeah. I forgot and then, about this And then they, like, stand back and they're like, Toru's ready to fight. <laughs> yeah. And then she lights it and it goes off. And they're like, uh. It's just like. Eh. You know, it's, yeah, it's one of the, like, little five second it screams at you and then just like dies the out. Like the fountain thing. Yeah. But uh, the bit where Toru's like, that's not dragon. Fire, like that's not a dragon's breath. This is a dragon's breath, and she goes, does a, a very exaggerated inhale, and then her yeah. face kind of distends into the semi dragon aspect, and then she creates this absolutely wild display of fireworks. I love anytime she does like her breath attack and it like descends into like the dragon spiky mouth thing because <laughs> it's always like under animated, yeah, 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 and her eyes get for that, lose, lose any sort of like. <laughs> definition <laughs> yeah like pupil, pupils or irises or anything like that they just become a solid color and it's not even that she has teeth that are spiky it's the same color as like just her skin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just drawn in these like spiky like chain chomp almost yeah, yeah, looking yeah. animation but then the fire is always like the best fire you've ever seen in any fucking anime ever and yeah it has this moment of like these like sparking embers coming down and they look like very beautiful fireworks Feeling like the entire sky. And Takia has asked Kobayashi and Toru to help out with Comiket. Because, uh, like, a comic market, I guess, what is it? Comiket? Yeah. In a court- it's, it's a convention. Yeah. It's like a, a, convention it's like a semi-annual market. convention. Yeah. And so I think, I- like, Artist Alley at Comic-Con or something like that. And I don't know if Wikipedia is right about this, but... Per the summary, it was apparently a Jojinshi, which I did not realize. Oh, this is pornography. <laughs> yes, I was not aware that they were selling talking pornography. Oh, you know this. what? He did. They did say, "Help me with my Dojinshi sales." Oh, I missed yeah. that line. Okay, and then <laughs> I, I, it, they just like glazed right on past it, like it was like, "Oh yeah, chill." Well, and then even another part, it shows uh, a comic, and it's all blurred out, yeah. like pixelated. Yeah, that, that, but I, they would blur out random. <laughs> shit in yeah. the show too yeah there was like a, it was like a piece of food or something and it was blurred out so it's like it was tough to tell exactly what was yeah, going yeah, on yeah yeah um mm-hmm. but toru's doing a good job of working the line and then she gets good to go on a break and people are trying to take pictures of toru because she's looks like a cosplayer and she's even like no i'm not cosplaying i'm a real maid and the guy's like ah. <laughs> You're really well, into this it's bit. It's after she, like, lets her wings and her tail out. Well, no, she gets Be- talked to before mm-hmm. that. But when she's working the line. Oh, was it before? Okay. Yeah, that guy um, comes back later. But, yeah, she's he's like, oh, yeah, you're staying in character. I appreciate that. Yeah, I get you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, they get to go have a break and chill, and then she lets out her tail and wings because she's like, oh, hey, 
there are people from the other world here. And then they're just like, whoa. Or Kobayashi is just like, what? It's like, yeah, over there. A Sahagin uh, goblin and like a, a mage or something. Yeah, I think she says witch. Witch. And then yeah. something like she that. She wants over there. It's like a... Oh, we can hang out here because they just think we're cosplayers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I thought was a funny little thing to add well, in this world. And even immediately, Toru comes up to him and she's like, oh, hello. And then the Sohuagin guy's like, oh, you're like us. Like, just immediately notices mm-hmm. as well. And I thought that was just like a fun little bit. Yeah, too. and they're like, oh, well, what are you? And he goes, I'm a dragon. And they're, they all, they, they <laughs> yeah. skiddaddle immediately. They yeah. ever get the hell out of there. Um, and then... Um, after that, they or we get this little bit. I guess Kana is back at home working on a school project, and it's a short little. <laughs> I I lost it. At this bit. <laughs> it's a super. Where she short. has the little hat and the little uh, bug catchers. Uh, oh my god! Kit, and she runs up and she's about to swoop in and then just eats the fucking <laughs> bug. She eats it because <laughs> yeah, it's a cicada and she's got her little bug net and it's very Animal Crossing and you think she's gonna catch it with a bug net but then just bites it off the tree. I both Caitlin and I lost our fucking shit. Yeah. At that, her point. head even gets a lot bigger. Like she extends that shit yeah. out and chomps it down. <laughs> and then she even writes like her descriptions of the different bugs. Like one was like flaky. Like, one was their crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine being the teacher and she'd be like, Jesus Christ. Like, it was <laughs> such Where a perfect, are your fucking parents? like one, two moment of, what you expect is going to happen and then what actually happens mm-hmm. and what actually happened is like, that actually makes perfect sense, but I was not expecting it at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fafnir was also at this comic kit <laughs> at his own Selling booth. legitimate curses. Curses. Yeah, 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 which they blurred out. I did appreciate <laughs> that, too. Uh. <laughs> and uh, Tora's like, wow, you could kill a lot of people with these. Mm-hmm. Well, also, uh, Takia has a line where they're like, Oh, is Fafnir here? And it's like, oh yeah, he's got his own booth. And they look over, and he's just sitting there, really grumpily, still. No line. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he has ingested a lot of anime and manga, and he decided to just start doing it himself. He's really good at it. And I thought that was like, like that is like like weeb to artist pipeline <laughs> that I liked a lot. But he just like sped ran the whole thing. Speed ran, sped ran. Shut the fuck mm. up. I don't know. Episode eight, new dragon <laughs> Elma. She's finally appearing, huh? <laughs> is the little, oh, yeah. little yeah. parentheses. Oh, yeah. This is where we get the Great British Bake Off for who gets to make Kana's lunch. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I thought this one was great. Uh, There's also a small bit where they're talking about, like, who's going to make Kana's lunch. And, again, it's like a subtle thing. In the background of the apartment, suddenly there's two kitchen workstations. Yeah, there's two kitchen workstations. <laughs> and Fafnir shows up and does the Gendo Akari hands. He's like, I'm going to judge this. But I love that uh, he was the judge and then Kana was the chief judge. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. John Kana was the chief judge because it was going to be her <laughs> meal. Her lunch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, they didn't need yeah. to, but her her opinion mattered the most. Uh, mm. But no no cheating with food from another world. Uh, and the, the the first salad, Toru goes hard and makes a crazy looking, like, ridiculous salad and then... Kobayashi shows up with two cherry tomatoes. And she's like, ha, I'm, there's no way I'm going to lose against that. Look at my salad. And they're like, Kobayashi, 100%. Yeah. Yours will not even fit in the lunchbox. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that's what Kobayashi was like, 
You were, she was like, you were taken down by your own hubris. You thought you'd make something extravagant, but it couldn't even fit in the box, making it not bento. And like, just like that, like, I've beaten yeah. you this way. And fucking like Death Note style. And this is the first time they've had a argument type ugh, disagreement. They're, they're at odds um, at this. And where they both, mm-hmm. uh, at least one where they both get like passionately into. Mm-hmm. The disagreement. Because yeah. um, previously they've had some things where like Toru wanted something Kobayashi wouldn't go along with it. But this is the first time they've both been like, we both want something and we're both passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Kobayashi doesn't just resolve immediately. Kobayashi's passionate about bento boxes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember. Let's see. What was the next one? Oh, yeah. It was like eggs and bacon, was it? I think. That Kobayashi it was, it was, made? It was main course. Uh, it was eggs and bacon was what Versus, uh, Kobayashi like, made. And there was little hamburgers. What, uh, yeah. Yeah. Was what hamburger uh, steaks got to win. Got to win. And Kana was team hamburger. Yep, yep. And then yeah. Kobayashi's like, but that's the, this is what I asked my parents to make for me. <laughs> and I forgot, what was, the, what was the last bit of the box? Uh, it was dessert. I don't remember what they made. Uh, I don't remember what they made, but I know that, like, at this point, Toru's like, fuck you. I'm going to, like, I'm, this is where I'm going to, like, sweep the competition. And she uses something from the other world. Oh, yep. Actually, kind of side note, do they establish a name for their world? I don't believe so. Okay. It's, it's just the other world. Yeah. That's what I That's what I kind of thought, but I was like, maybe I'm missing something. But yeah, she uses something <laughs> oh, yeah. from the other world. It's like a special fruit or something like that that's supposed to be like the best fucking fruit of all time. But that ultimately disqualifies her because they establish Is this the one that Kobayashi that. tries and chomps down on and says, wow, that's really yep. good. And then it turns, and into, then it this, turns into a creature. A creature yeah. that starts <laughs> smooching her and shit. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> But now that to me felt like a very space. Oh yeah, that that, I, that that would fit right in. Um, yeah. But we um, during I guess this was when uh, Toru's quick little adventure back into the other world. Elma noticed and follows yeah. her. and follows and her follows through the portal because Elma also doesn't have the ability to create portals back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, they've established a few times that. Uh, Toru is like one of the only people that can do that. Or, well, not people, quote unquote, but well, one of the only Only beings that that's powerful yeah. enough to make that happen. Yeah, it seems like so. Fafnir yeah. and Lukoa can at will. Um, mm-hmm. But they're also but like... But they're shown to be like... She even says like, is this the day I'm going to finally beat you? Like, she's clearly yeah. another tier below them. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but like even in season two, like another evil dragon shows up temporarily and then they're like, huh. And then... You know, I'm gonna kill you, blah blah blah. And then Toru shows up, and he's like, "Fuck, it's Toru." Ah, fuck. <laughs> um, but we get Elma, and you know, she's like, mm-hmm. "I'm from the law, like the Order faction. You're from the Chaos faction. You shouldn't be here." You know, uh, but she's like, I get she like blow a hole in the side of the room and like challenges Toru to fight. And Kobayashi's yeah. like, "Please follow Can our laws before protecting order in my world." Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And well, and she even says, like, can you not do this in my apartment? Yeah. Can you please take it outside? And that's when uh, Toru opens the portal to that field to that, that they keep field. battling in. And 
uh, Elma steps through it, and Antoa was just like, whoop, closes, just closes the portal. <laughs> Uh, they're like, where'd you send her? Like, oh, that field that we play in. Oh, and but she which can't is, tell which is like back. halfway around the world. <laughs> and yeah. the uh, r- beginning of the running gag is, I think, even during this first introduction, they hear the stomach rumbling of Elma, mm-hmm. and it and she deflates the whole situation because uh, she's like, uh, you guys heard that? Fuck. <laughs> I yeah, and I generally like Elma. Like, I think Elma has a good banter vibe, especially with Toru. Yeah, and the next season is very Elma heavy. Okay, which I I love. I kind of thought it would be would be since she's in the OP, but doesn't show up till like the end of the season, and then doesn't do too much. Just kind of has yeah. an episode or two, and then just is a background character. She's much more heavily featured in the second season because they they expand on what their relation Toru and Elma's relationship is because they're not mm-hmm. just like you know. Uh, rivals, they they have a little more going on. Um, mm-hmm. I did like the bit though where they're explaining the different dragon factions, and it's like the dragons of law and order, the dragons of chaos, and the dragons that are just spectators, observers, and it just shows this like really derpy oh dragon God. with like these big circle eyes and his tongue sticking out. <laughs> yeah. Like it reminded me of like a chihuahua or something where their tongue is too big for their mouth, so they're just always like. Bleh. Like, always got their tongues sticking out. Yeah, a chihuahua or a pug or something. Mm-hmm. So, it's like the next day, I guess. Or maybe maybe longer, I don't know. But Elma shows back up. <laughs> it's like, how dare you send me to somewhere else? A field. And then she doubles over because she's so hungry at this point. And then Kana, who's super nice, gives her one of their like little cream puffs. Yeah. And Elma's, she eats it and is... Floored. She, it's the tastiest thing ever she's ever had in her life. And then Toru picks up on that and says, if I give you this bag of, of these cream puffs, will you leave? And then she gives it to her. And then Elma just immediately about faces and runs out of there. Just says, like, sorry for the intrusion. <laughs> <laughs> just leaves. <laughs> and then we get, like, more or less her whole character developed right there is that she's very food-oriented is a rival with Toru, but is otherwise like reasonable. Mm-hmm. It it had to me very devil is a part timer vibes. Mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. very Where much. Where it's so. like you guys were like bitter enemies in this other world, but here you're just kind of trying to get by, like under normal nine to five day shit kind of mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, and I like the running gig they have going on from this point where they'll do little shorts with her where she just gets decision paralysis at all the tasty mm-hmm. food options. Or And it's like just always a huge line forming behind The her. last episode, she's offered waffles, and then it just shows her still deadpan, and she's receiving the like waffles, and she goes, oh, oh, oh God. Like she just autopiloted into <laughs> taking food. <laughs> um and again, that eat shirt I have is an Elma shirt from season two that she's she's usually just seen in the background with like a bag of breads and she's just munching on and her shirt just says eat. <laughs> it's a problem. Oh, yeah. No, that's great. Uh, uh, and then I think we get this little aside of Shota having a horrible dream of being smothered because Luko is too close. In the, uh, this is like a running gag for like two or three episodes. Yeah, I didn't like it too yeah. much, but damn it. The the sumo wrestler one where he was like pushing with the hands like the sumo oh, wrestlers the do. Uh, and yeah, he's just he's just throwing hands on the titties. Oh, that actually reminds me. There was a moment from an earlier episode where they're doing the training montage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And they're like, we have to fight the fearsome beasts. And it shows this bear in the woods and they're about to approach it. And then they just gingerly walk up and pat it on the head. (laughs) And that's their training for that part. I don't know why that part cracked me up too. Because they also under animate the bear in this moment. So it's like just a single line and brown. (laughs) But uh, Kobayashi's going back to work. Elma shows walks through the door in business mm-hmm. casual, and I guess Kobayashi talks to her, and then Elma's just like, "There's no way I can't do human labor. Like this is easy peasy," mm-hmm. and doesn't even know how to turn a computer on. Like, I how does she get this job? I don't know. Did she talk to the CEO? Who's oh yeah, Shoda's dad is this? I guess CEO or some really high up mucky monk, mucky muck, yeah, <laughs> of Bunky monkey monk. monk. Of this uh, company, and so uh, that that was my assumption of how Elma, or she forged it with magic or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, that would be out of character because she's the like order faction, maybe the order. But um, but she lands she the lands job. the job. Doesn't know how to do anything. Kobayashi like takes her out for uh those like little fish rice bean uh, things. I I grew up with them mm-hmm. in Korea. Takoyaki. We called them something different. And I forgot, but. Yeah, it's just a little little fried confection with like red bean paste in it. Uh, mm. she, you know, she, she treats her little under underling, not underling. <laughs> they, they call him kohai. Uh, like, like you're the senpai, and they are your person under you, mentor yeah. and mentee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have that kind of relationship at this point, mm-hmm. and she's being nice. But then, uh, they have this line where. Uh, She's like, oh, well, as long as I get paid, you know, it's like at least I get paid for this. She's like, yeah, you'll get your paycheck well, no, it, it was, next it was, month. When do I get paid? When do I get paid? Yeah. When do I get and paid? And then she's like, well, it's the first of the month, so you'll get the money in a month. And she just <laughs> at the end stops of the month, and says, like, what do I do for rent and food? And good I, luck, buddy. I, I, and I felt that. Uh, <laughs> we all did. That was a moment of like a, ah, I thought this show was supposed to make me feel good, mm-hmm. not bad. Like Kobayashi goes home. Toru. Greets her like normal and then stops and then starts sniffing hardcore like mm-hmm. <laughs> like a dog. And you've they, been around another dragon. How another, dare you? You've been around another dragon. Uh, I have, always have this thing too. Whenever like someone sniffs someone else like that, like a dog, I just think of Wolverine from X Men and like how in the nineties X Men he would constantly sniff people to figure things out. And there's also this one moment where it's like a, that's not how this works, where they're about to break into this compound and Logan goes, stop, there's lasers. And they're like, can you see them, Wolverine? And he goes, no, I can smell them. Wow. I'm like, that's not how that works, dude. <laughs> wow. Like, 90s X-Men clearly didn't know science shit. And they were like, yeah, this is going to make Wolverine cool. And... Uh, this is the episode where we see Kana's got her little charging station with little stickers. It's decorated real cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what they're being fed, but they're having dinner or something. <laughs> and Kobayashi looks and there's a piece of meat in there. She's like, mm, what, is, what this? is this? And she yeah. yells out, show me your butt. <laughs> and like, <laughs> flips up her, 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 her dress and is like, it's tail again. I've seen that shot out of context before. So when I, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's where that's from. Show me your butt. Um, You're doing the like Leo DiCaprio like snap point mm-hmm, at the TV. A- absolutely. But the end of this episode has uh, like a uh, every now and then they'll have these like 
moments where they slow down and, and talk. And then Kobayashi mentions, like, I forgot what prompted it. Maybe, like, Toru's affection, someone, like, talking to her about it. But then mm-hmm. Kobayashi just says, I'm not used to being wanted. Because um, throughout the show, it, Toru has her, like, overtly affectionate, you know, well, she says, I love you sexually. Full on says mm-hmm. it. But Kobayashi is, I wouldn't even say, re- she's not reluctant to, to do anything necessarily. She just, like, can't do it. She doesn't process. She just doesn't reciprocate. Doesn't that reciprocate, same way. is like, uncomfortable doing it, and is uncomfortable being liked in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've never really had that as a, any in a character in an anime before. Where they're just, but yeah. I don't really watch this type of stuff enough to get that character the I, chance I feel to like up. I have but I don't have any immediate examples but it was really interesting you know I've seen it but not an anime it definitely oh, sure. wasn't an anime and and this is why and I agree like, I felt like Kobayashi was like an ace uh character without saying it mm-hmm. but or or maybe not even ace but possibly like a or a romantic or something yeah uh but a Something. A something, and she's tr- she's feeling it out, and then also potentially changing because now she's getting like a safe mm-hmm. space with people she likes that she might be able to explore uh, yeah. that type of stuff, um, which was which is really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Episode nine, Kana gets explained what a there's sp- no twist or anything. No twist. Kana gets explained that there's going to be a sports festival. Well, and Kobayashi basically says like, oh, she can't make it because she's got like some big project that she has to work on that she's not going to be able to finish in time. And Kana gets really upset about it. Like she doesn't, I say get upset. She doesn't like lash out or like cry or anything, but she's visibly distraught. She's short I guess, with someone. She, she, like someone says like, cause Kobayashi's trying to explain why. And she just says like, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I remember she says like Moi, like in a very, upset but like i'm done talking about this <laughs> type of way mm-hmm. um and toru even toru was like oh but i'll go she's like no <laughs> i don't want yeah, you to I don't go care. kobayashi yeah. to go because she sees toru as like an older sister figure but she sees kobayashi more like a mother figure which mm-hmm. kobayashi has a little bit of a crisis she's like i'm not that old <laughs> yeah <laughs> Do I look old enough to well, be her mother? And then like, she's like, well, wait, some of my peers from school do have kids mm-hmm. now. Crap. Yeah, no, I think all of us have had that conversation with <laughs> ourselves before. Bro. Like, oh, wait. Yes. So-and-so's got a six-year-old. Never mind. What do you mean you can't play WoW tonight? You're taking care of your kids. What? And to, like, so so Kobe, so, so Kana doesn't want to talk about it. And then Kobe actually goes to work the next day. Kana asks um, Toru to give her that perception block um, mm-hmm. because they've 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 visited her out of curiosity before in like episode two or three um, but they were just like hanging out in some clouds poking their head out <laughs> shocking yeah. Kobayashi because she's still not used to this um, but now uh, Kana goes by herself and then she sees like genuinely that Kobayashi is working real fucking hard mm-hmm. and I thought it was really good of Kana to like more or less come to accept it. Like Kobayashi's genuinely working really hard and I shouldn't pressure her anymore. 
Well, and she even says to Kobayashi, like, it's okay that you can't come. Yeah, yeah, she, she, it's she's, fine. she tells her, yeah. Uh, and that's when Toru kind of says, like, hey, so I may have used my perception block magic on her, and she may have been spying on you at work to yeah. see how busy you are kind of thing. Um, and Kobayashi does, like, such a cool fucking moment here where she's like, hey, Toru, uh, for the next few days I'm going to be coming back even later. And Toru's jazzed about it. Mm-hmm. Small, small, small moment. In the dub, Kobayashi goes, hey, Toru. And for whatever reason, Toru's voice actor goes, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just like real, real weird. What? And I don't know why. It made me laugh so hard because it was just so out of like the scene. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, the guy. Wasn't that your friend? Was it your bro uh, that did Denji? From um, Chainsaw Man. Oh, Ryan Colt. Yeah, do you know him? Uh, at least I do. I know okay, of him. Okay, okay. We've talked a few times. But Close we're not, enough. Like, Best bros. friends. You've known him your whole life. Uh, oh yeah, I died. But him. there's this. There's this. No, bit I would. Where Denji, I guess, is like being asked, like, "What do you want? Like, do you, like, do you want to get with uh, Makima-san?" And then his English dub goes, "Yes," <laughs> <laughs> and it's got this. It's got the same energy. Uh, but yeah, and but yeah, uh, back to that Kana bit where she, you know, after seeing Kobayashi work, she goes and and says it's okay if you don't go, and she's like gripping her like little like nightgown like really tightly because it's mm-hmm. it's like a hard thing for Kana to say, but I mean, she's being a real big girl and being <clears throat> you know not entirely selfish, emotionally yeah, mature about it's this. It's great. Yeah. It's great, but. Kobayashi puts in some late nights. Takia, he offers to help. So, in the one thing, maybe I'm drawing too much from it, but Kobayashi was always shown to take on other people's work constantly. Like, she was mm-hmm. always the fucking martyr uh, for everyone. Yeah. But then that gave me the impression that also she never asked for help either because they never, they never expressly showed it. But then when she needed it, and it was offered to her. She was just like, "Yeah, yeah, I would like, I would like some help with this. Could you? That would be nice. That would yeah. be nice." And I thought that was, but I'm maybe like I said, reading into it too much. But maybe that was a great character growth moment where she's like, "I can ask for help and accept help when it's offered." I, I, I don't think that's you reading into okay. it. No, I, I think that was the intent. Okay. I don't think they explicitly spelled it out, but I do think that's what they were trying to convey. Yeah, and I thought that was yeah, great. Agreed. Yeah. Um, another part about this whole thing I like because Dan was talking for a while there was going into the whole working overtime is they referred to it as slaying the demon is what is like crunch time killing hades (laughs) you're killing hades yeah (laughs) did you kill hades yeah yeah um but yeah and then so she's able to go to the school festival because she does get all of this extra shit and put in this a bunch of overtime in order to go and I will say the first part of this episode is so good and makes kind of the sports festival being so under animated kind of disappointing. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hated the sports festival. Yep. I fucking hated it. There was um the, the one gag where Shoda had to go. There's like a hide and seek game that they had to do or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was another good movie. Another bit. good movie like, bit. <laughs> good movie bit. Um. Because it's like the scavenger hunt or whatever, and he opens the piece oh, of yeah, paper. Oh, yeah, it's world class. World class. 
and he takes Lukoa up to like the judge, and like her boobs are bouncing as they're running, and he goes, "Yep, <laughs> yep." <laughs> yeah, he just looks at the note, looks at her, and just gotcha, kid. <laughs> that shit, that shit thumbs up. Me up. Uh, and Jesus Elma God. being so food motivated, like because uh, I think after this. Because they, I guess after the events, they have like little family sit downs and they have like their box lunches and stuff, and that's nice. And well, it's it's between. Events. Oh, is it between? It's like okay. Specifically for lunch, they break for like picnic lunches between. Yeah, because they start their comeback after the lunch. That's right. Because mm-hmm. Toru even says like, make sure you don't overeat, but eat enough to have energy to crush your opponents <laughs> in the second yeah. half or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then they have this like. Relay race and Rika's like, "Don't worry, I'm gonna hand you the baton from first place." And of course, during the race, she drops the baton and she drops to last. And the announcer for this, I don't think it's meant to be, but it's fucking savage. Where she goes, "Oh wow, the worst possible thing <laughs> happened. She dropped the baton." <laughs> The, the and I didn't like, do that. The announcer was their five. The announcer was just their teacher too. It's their teacher, <laughs> not a so teacher, savage. their teacher even, <laughs> just roasting her like, own students. It would. It's different when it's like a commentator for like football or baseball, and the players can't hear you. But in this scenario. They hear their teacher over the loudspeaker like, wow, she did the shittiest thing she could have done, the little fucking idiot. It, it reminds me of, uh, like, the Pokemon Stadium announcer. Like, if you ever did a bad move, <laughs> that wasn't yeah. very effective. And it's like, god damn it, you fucker. <laughs> Shut up. I'm eight. I'm eight. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh. Yeah, they end up. Winning the sports festival after a montage of stills of them uh, Weak. playing games. Except for Lukoa was boobily bouncing. Except for boobies. Yeah, my, even favorite, the cheers my favorite were restaurant. What? I said my favorite restaurant. Boobies. Oh, boobies. Oh. <laughs> okay. I was thinking Lukoa in my head and was like, there's a restaurant named Lukoa. Yeah, Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> which there probably is somewhere. Quetzalcoatl, probably. Probably Mexico City. Mm-hmm. But then we get to episode 10, which may be one of my favorite episodes the, of this The show. Christmas episode. Specifically, the play. Yeah, and they're going to put on a play to make up because the dude in the shopping district, like, broke his foot, like, practicing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they're doing the Christmas play. Uh, what was it? Like, before they even get to the hymn, though. Toru, they're like, oh yeah, it's it's you know it's it's Christmas. It's like ah, it really pains me to celebrate the birth of that guy's son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of you know you whose know whose son. son. Yeah. Which uh, there's also a, a tiny establishing that God exists and she knows who it is, like personally, <laughs> yeah. and, and doesn't like him. And doesn't like not a fan. <laughs> yeah. There's also a tiny bit again with the covered in red thing where uh, Kana mentions Santa Claus, and she's like. Oh, that guy that sneaks down your chimneys and is bathed in the blood of his enemies? And it does this small little clip where it shows Santa with, like, a big-ass fucking axe. Yeah. And he turns around menacingly, and then just the line is just, Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked up so hard. 
I don't forget when it is in this episode, but as they're like building the more complex chimney that just goes straight out the wall yeah, to yeah. count as that was, That's got like the neon a quick signs. Little aside, they it. did it twice, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because because Kana really wants Santa to show up, so they get like a regular chimney, but <laughs> it's it's coming out the front of their like apartment. Like, like yeah, they're not the top floor, they're not so the top it can't floor. come out the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a whole ass. Uh, uh, fireplace in their living room now, and but then yeah. yes, later in the episode, Kobayashi goes back home. <laughs> well, no, I don't think it was in the living room. It was in Kana's bedroom. Oh yeah, it? no, no, it, it was, was right her next to her bed. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, later on, there's like crazy ass signs and like pointing arrows and neon mm-hmm. lights. Like, don't miss this house. There's a girl neon. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're dedicated. Um, so you know they they, they rally the troops for this play. That they have to put on. Um, they convince everyone to join. They're like, why is Elma here? It's like, oh, she was bribed with candy. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're like, oh, what, what should we do? Elma straight, goes straight to, how about an eating contest? We can do an eating contest at the old folks' yep. home. It's like, you just, want a, you just want an excuse to eat. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then somebody else yeah, was like, we should do a race or something. Kana wants to race. Kana says a race. Kana likes yeah. the race. and But eventually it's uh, Rico saying that they should do a play and then this little mm-hmm. match girl story of this poor girl dying in the streets trying to <laughs> sell matches all right sick classic it was like a throwaway charles yeah. dickens thing it sounded like i've never heard of this yeah. story before and but apparently it's a movie for originally from 1928 really a 1928 no, sorry, French film no it's uh, hans christian anderson wrote it Huh. Originally, oh, 1845. Okay. So it would be Dickens' s period of yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, great. But yeah, so they decide to put on this play, and they can't decide on what to actually do. So they keep trying to like spice it up. And Fafnir wants to be the director, but he fucking sucks yeah. at it. So they're like holding auditions, and I love the bit in the auditions where. All the characters are slating before the audition, like, hi, I'm kind of here to read for the part of Little Match Girl. And it's like, they know who you are, and they know exactly (laughs) what you're reading for in this scenario. So them slating was super duper funny to me. But then Rico also gets up. She's like, I'm Rico, here to read for the part of Little Match Girl. And then she just starts stammering because Fafnir is just like imposing standing over her. She's like, I can't do it! And walks off. But they get Kana to do it. Fafnir wants to make sure that the match girl is a magical girl. Yeah. And but yeah, I love how each of them were like had a particular idea they were married to that ended up getting included in the final <laughs> plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was uh little match girl, the baseline, having a magical school girl, having 47 Ronin <laughs> be a part of it. Yeah. And then having I, this other like kind of like folktale story about an old man oh, the, selling the hats. straw hat seller. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which Shota ends up playing that role. I, oh. I forget what the exact reference that was from, but it was some folklore tale they brought Yeah, because it. they originally yeah. tried to, Lukoa wanted to be director and then make Shota the match girl and they dress him up as the match girl and it, uh, they're like, oh, how cute. And then he's like, this is embarrassing. And then runs out. Yeah. But then he still gets roped into it because, yeah. Yeah. well, we get there. Uh, eventually, Elmo becomes the director. But then she tries to sneak in her 47 Ronin bullshit. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And she does. Or did they telegraph that it was going to be wild, but they didn't give you the details mm-hmm. until Kobayashi actually shows up and watches the play mm-hmm. at the, the play. old folks' home. And you just see this masterpiece slash disaster unfold in front of you. <laughs> there was, a, I think, a bit where they were doing... Uh, I think Lukoa participates in the play and in, in like their rehearsal. And there's a line that mm-hmm. says, Grandma, don't make it weirdly sexy. <laughs> and that was, oh, that yeah. was a wild line. <laughs> uh, um, and I think Fafner says, like, what is, are you trying to smother the little girl to death yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so they, they, they show up. Takia shows up as well, along with Kobayashi. They're watching it. Starts off, you know, the little match girl stuff, and then Faf, and then they, oh, the the, the, the hat, hat seller, seller shows up. up like my, <laughs> I am an old man selling hats. My old wife made them, and then says, "Oh, are but, you? But she's are dying. you cold? Here, let's burn one of the hats." And then they actually <laughs> light it on fire in this old folks' home, and then you know Kobayashi panics, big puff of smoke, Fafnir in some like Overlord esque outfit. It reminded me of Tim from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Tim yeah, the yeah. Enchanter yeah, like with energy. the horns and stuff. And then he offers them power to become magical girls to, like, destroy the world. <laughs> to cleanse the world of yeah, evil. Yeah, cleanse the evil world. Evil and corruption. Is what he says. And, but then only has one staff of power, so they have to fight over Yeah. It. Oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'll give you the power to commit vicious deeds. Yeah. Uh, but then drops it between them and says, now fight for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, is this this is a Modica Magica bullshit right here. Um, <laughs> but then Elma shows up in her samurai lord outfit or whatever the fuck. Well, before that, before that, Lukoa shows up as the angel with the second staff and is like, don't listen to him. And then like they start. Oh, fight. yeah, they her start fighting for fight. some reason. Yeah. And I love the disparity between production values on this because it's like he teleports in and she flies in through a portal, but then it's like the lights go dim and they just jog they off, walk stage. off stage. <laughs> <laughs> and then, because like the fighting is popping off, and then they're like, "Oh my god!" Or Kobayashi's like, "This is like they're they're going way too hard on this." And she looks over at the old people mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, is this a CGI thing?" <laughs> it must be that CGI. <laughs> Why, yes, I am very spry. Yeah, and they're, they're just like, wow, this is fun. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Senile. Uh, but then uh, Toru shows up and is like, I am the ancient evil or something. And Elma, that's when mm. Elma shows up as one of the 47 Ronin. Like, I've got to take this guy out. He killed my lord and I'm seeking revenge. And basically that's when Kana and Shota turn into the magical schoolgirls and even Shota's the magical schoolgirl and doing his lines, but still saying like how embarrassing Mm -hmm. it is after each line. And we get a nice little montage of them like going through the play, but with Kobayashi kind of like, well, everyone seems to be enjoying this. And like, this is this nice wholesome moment. And, after it, like the audience loves it, but then after it, we get this nice moment of everybody's kind of like leaving after the play. They're like leaving the old folks home and going their separate ways. And Kobayashi and Toru have this nice moment together where Kobayashi asks Toru to fly her over the oh, city. Oh, they even like have, they night. have like she a full on after party back at the apartment. 
Oh, was it them yeah, leaving? Yeah, and, the and then like everyone started leaving. It's like, oh, okay. they've got their own parties or things they have to go do after this. Mm-hmm. And then yes, and then okay. then she requests so, uh, slightly out of sequence. She requests the flying, and uh, but it was just really funny getting the human sized present that the dragon was holding very slightly, like in like <laughs> the little claw fingertips. Yeah, and it was a uh, fancy magic back medicine. That was also blurred out. It was also blurred out. She opened the box. It was this like crazy colorful thing blurred out. She puts, she closes it, puts the lid back on and it like, it shows that something is trying to get out of the box. Like bucking out. (laughs) It reminded me of like when you fuck up cooking in like Legend of Zelda, like Tears of the Kingdom or Breath of the Wild, where it's like a blurred out mess is what it was. But then Kobayashi has like, I kind of got you something too, and like takes off her scarf and like wraps it around a horn, mm-hmm. a little um, dragon themed Christmas so scarf. Yeah, which I want that scarf to yeah. be quite honest. Like and she I wears it scarf. in um, like episode twelve, uh, mm-hmm. and then the last little bit of this episode was Kobayashi trying to sneak into Kana's room to give her presents, which is real cute, real yeah. cute, you know. Uh, but she like stayed up for hours and. She- Kobayashi was just stuck there. Yeah, because I think I can't move. She, yeah, a floorboard creaks and Kana wakes up immediately. Uh, Kobayashi dives and hides next to the bed, and it's she's there for hours because Kana is vigilant. For Santa. I will get Santa. Yeah, but then yeah, like we lead into episode eleven, and then this is kind of like the New Year's episode, yep. uh, aka the episode that made me look at how much it would cost to order a legit katatsu from Japan. Yeah, yeah. Every time <laughs> I watch this episode, I'm like, man. I, and you know, it's like that cat meme with the fucking newspaper. I should get a boat. <laughs> I should buy a boat. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, like I, uh, it, it came up and I was like, should we get a kotatsu? Like, should we change our entire living room over to just a kotatsu? Yeah, I'm not even sure where I would put one that I would actually use it, but I wanted one so badly after this. Episode. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a fire hazard. But what are you gonna do? I'm. Yeah. Um. But episode eleven. Uh, they get they they win the kotatsu, which may or may not have been won through magic, um, <laughs> and but it's it's funny like every time they're in it, they show like if they would rest their face on the table, that they would get all round and melty every time. Mm-hmm. But it was just a, just like a, a super cozy episode of them just hanging a quick little montage of them just living their life, just hanging out under this kotatsu, reading a book, having snacks. Oh, and then um, they were making New Year's snacks. Uh, what was it like soba and mochi? Uh, mochi, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had like a nice little Christmas gift exchange with their neighbors bringing over shit. And then the uh, the rocker brought over a bunch of uh, mandarins, I think. Yeah, mandarins. And, oranges. and for whatever reason, th- these mandarins were in this whole episode. Just costly. They were just and animated so yeah, well. Just them peeling it. Um, they show the trash can just full of fucking peels. Uh, them getting mm-hmm. so lazy that they just pitch the peel and. <laughs> well, well, and then the carver brought them over a giant uh, wooden rooster. Oh, the, for the rooster new year. for the new year. The ro- new year, new animal. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then the rooster said. stuck around in the in the final episodes. Mm-hmm. There's one shot which in I, I forget which episode too. where uh, um, Taru's cleaning and she shatters the thing and then it's like restored the yeah, next shot. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And well because yeah we know that she can just but fix yeah it. even even when all the neighbors were coming by they they kept making Toru get up 
because the first person asked for Toru. It's like, Toru, are you here? Um, and then the third time, Toru's starting to get back under the Kotatsu and stops and says, well, going by this pattern, by the time I get under again, and she's like slow, apprehensively kind of gets in. Bing bong. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And then they have a evening out to go celebrate the, to celebrate New Year's Eve at the shrine and they do all the sh- standard yeah. anime shrine activities. They do all the shrine stuff. Elma's there for the food. Yeah, uh, Toru mm-hmm. Toru getting the uh, great curse and being really excited. About <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kobayashi being like, I didn't even know they made these. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lukoa sh- showing up like, like a what was that? There was a character in Final Fantasy X who was the like goth Lulu. lady, Lulu, Lulu, it, Lulu. It gave me Lulu vibes. I like how you didn't even finish, and Nick was like, Lulu. As I soon as that. he started talking about it, and I was thinking about the outfit, I'm like, I know exactly who he's going for as soon as he said Final Fantasy uh-huh. X. <laughs> Very formative character for, for Nick's uh, preferences back in the day, I imagine. No, I was... I would have been like 15 or 16 when that came out. That was a little too old to be formative. Already had an opinion by then. All right. <laughs> yeah. He was like, Tifa's better than Aerith. We all know this. Oh no! I was definitely Team Aerith. Oh, get the fuck out of my face! I'm done with this podcast. We're done. It's, it's over. Um, but then this is the, we get the the little fun reveal where uh, Rico calls Georgie um, sister, mm-hmm. and it said cuts back to Georgie because Georgie's just so enamored with being <laughs> a maid that she wants to go full on like you treat me like a maid. I am. Always in character. Yeah. Um, She's very Daniel Day-Lewis about right. it. And they... But yeah, then they all go back to the apartment and kind of have an after party and then fall asleep under the kotatsu and then wake up and see the first sunrise together. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, is that... Maybe... Is, is that a... Uh, uh, I was talking to... I was talking to Archer, like, oh, should, is, should that be a thing that we do for, <laughs> like, for New Year's? Like, try and wake up and see the new... Sunrise, because that sounds kind of oh, fun. The new sunrise under the katatsu. Under the katatsu, yeah. You got to order that katatsu first. Uh, and hope, you got time. And hope it really ships fast from Japan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and but they show that Kobayashi was sending a card back to the parents, and mm-hmm. this was a little bit of Kobayashi growth where it apparently was just kind of fell off. They, they said that they called every now and then, but. They weren't close with their parents at all. It was like distance and time, and she got busy. Yeah. I relate really heavily to Kobayashi in this episode and the next episode, kind of with the whole parents arc mm-hmm. of kind of getting a distance and kind of just growing distant from your family. It's like, just, it's just we happens. don't have any issues, but we're not also not real close just because yeah. I've kind of con and made my own life eight hours away. They don't say how far Kobayashi is from hers, but... Similar, like there's a distance. She's got her job. She's got her own life. She got comfortable mm-hmm. away and made kind of made her own family here. And yeah, especially now. Yeah. Well, and proximity plays a big part in our relationships. Like mm-hmm. a lot of my friends have like from growing up have moved away and they're in different places. And really a lot of us, the main reason we talk so much is because we play video mm-hmm. games together. But otherwise, like I don't call people on the phone or anything like that. I don't write letters yeah. to people. Yeah, but sometimes if you're so, you're lucky, you have those friendships and relationships that have gone kind of distant and quiet, but like 
when you meet back up, you're right back to where you were. It's, you're right back on the same page. Which, and and that's nice and having that security. But some some are just like we drifted apart and it's apart. Like it's they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, and I have a ton of relationships from back home in Minnesota that are. I'm, I remember them fondly, and if we meet up, we're still cool. We still have a good time, but the relationship as it was is gone. It's now a it's different thing this, yeah. where it's like we have a shared positive memories together, and we're happy to spend time together, but the magic that it was back in the day is mm-hmm. just gone at this point. Well, because we're different people. Yeah, we, we've, like, everyone's grown up. Everyone's changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of leads us right into episode 12. Toru Omurais. Yeah, the Omurais episode. <laughs> uh, this episode is called Toru and Kobayashi's Impactful Meeting. We're raising the bar on ourselves. And uh, <laughs> Toru asks, what do you want for dinner? And then Kobayashi's like, hmm. And then... <laughs> Toru brings her tail around and wags it a little bit in front of her. She's still trying to get her to eat the tail. Which, I don't know. I thought I got tired of that gag, but they they like hit it away for a little bit, and then they brought it back. Um, and the, the way they brought it back was really yeah. good, too. Because it wasn't her just trying to serve the tail again like it had been. In previous, but like she the subtle angles, like, it. <laughs> yeah, I had mixed feelings on the tail bit. It was, it felt a little overdone, but it wasn't as bad as a few of the other jokes sure. that were way overdone. Yeah, um, and then we get to see, uh, oh yeah, because Kobayashi says, "How about a, a, a like the a great omu rice?" And it puts like a qualifier mm-hmm. on like how good it needs to be, which puts a lot it, of pressure was, on Toru. I think it was literally like she did like the two finger thing, like make it good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which. That's weird. I wouldn't say that to someone whenever they're asking me, like, went for dinner. I'm like, oh, make it, make sure that it's good this time. I don't know. That's weird. Don't fuck it up like you did last time. Yeah. And, and Kobayashi feels a little bad about not being able to just be nice when she's just being too critical, which I do that all the time. Um, but we get to see a nice little normal Toru morning routine. You know, she's in her element. She's got her, her shit ready. She cleans everything. Takes a lot of pride in doing a good job, which is great. Uh, and then Lukoa just shows up, which is crazy for Nate, like friends to do in th- in this day and age, just coming over unannounced. And then them just going, oh, hey, come on in. Hell yeah, brother. No, you better, better fucking text yeah, me yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't coming to my house. like. Um. And Lukoa turned, she said that, that I turned down the exposure because too many people were bothering me. But now she's got like a full bodysuit under her, what it would have been otherwise revealing clothing. And the English dub, and this is the line I was mentioning earlier that I wanted to come back to. She says something of, I was tired of trying to live up to societal standards of sexiness. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. All right. What the fuck? Like that, it that's was out very of nowhere. much. It was jarring, <laughs> okay. but it was like, what a dope, what a dope line. Like, unfortunately, it doesn't but, really fit with anything else the character does at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, but I did like mm-hmm. the line. Uh, uh, there was a bit where Kobe or Toru was either thinking or talking to someone, and she gets this 
a side version of oh yeah because she's like oh yeah I gotta make the best uh, omu rice because Lukoa tells her oh yeah mm-hmm. to make a good food it starts with good ingredients right it's Papa John's and um, <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> God damn Papa Dia and no Lukoa you know gives her that advice so she goes okay I'm gonna go get some good good ingredients. Um, there's expensive, like free range, best chicken around, tries to haggle them down, can't. And she's like, oh no, if I get this chicken, it'll be like this. And then it cuts to like Kobayashi standing over this, this like shoujo, the, the, the rose banner around the outside, this everything sparkly Mm -hmm. version of like, this is the best Oma rice I've ever had. Um, but so then instead she goes to the other world to gather ingredients um, she and they're like, "Where'd you get this egg?" And it's like, "Oh, it's the it's the like, uh, rooster or cuckoo of that in Valhalla that calls in Valhalla or some shit." Yeah, it was. It's kind of this episode where they point to the fact that like all the myths about like religion or greater powers or stuff, they're all true and they're all in this other. They're world. just they're real. all in the other world. Yeah. They're all real because yeah, they go like the, the Norse mythology stuff, but then yeah. it goes to this like rooster like doing his little morning rooster thing. And then it's just a man saying, Kaki Kohuku. <laughs> I was like, man, they didn't even try to make it chicken. It's just a man. <laughs> and then this is the line. The ma- I was like, oh, it's like, what about the rice and vegetables? Well, this country's got good rice and vegetables. I think they use a magic called selective breeding, like Nick brought up earlier. Yeah. Um, I guess then we cut to Shoda, Lukoa, um, doing a ritual. Uh, practice something he's throwing rice at Lukua wearing a mask a demon uh, and she's just gonna like gah he's like the gone demon ah. the gone demon <laughs> yeah <laughs> I said uh, was it rice or was it salt I think it's supposed to be salt I think it's supposed to be salt but I don't, some granular bullshit was being thrown at her yeah and gets out the door he goes back upstairs like looks looks back at his book spends a little time panics a little bit Opens the door, makes sure Lukoa didn't run away, but she was just playing with a cat. And just a cat, yeah. And, and then she's like, oh, did you think I was gone? Like, playfully and nicely, but then the English dub made it fucking weird. Weird. Yeah. Mm. That's not great. God, I... Ugh. That was a choice. It's, it's like it's like those shitty... It was a shitty bad choice. accents and dandy, and then this. Yeah. Like, someone, someone said, yeah, let's do that. Hmm. Um, but this is the episode where we get the full reveal of what happened during their original meet. We've had little flashes uh, of like a sword and in the mountains and shit. And then this is when we get to see Kobayashi having a really rough day at work, drinking so hard by themselves. Like, so mm-hmm. we've not seen the full extent of what Kobayashi was like just on their own up until this point, just had like glimmers. And I, and even Kobayashi says, I forgot what I was like mm-hmm. before. Because she was pretty self-destructive and uh, just drank so heavily that she got onto the... <laughs> oh, I mean, it was they, they made it funny, but it was horrible. Where she got onto the train yeah. with a bottle of sake and just laughed at her stop going by. Well, yeah, she was on the express train and just was like, well, there mm-hmm. goes my stop. <laughs> and finds <Yeah>. it hilarious. <laughs> Which is hilarious as the viewer, but also like, oh, this is terribly sad. Like, you shouldn't be this drunk. Yeah. You have a problem. I think it worked 
comedically because it was in the context of knowing that's not how she is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's like, ah, oh, fuck, Kobayashi, that was rough. Like the the typical comedy equals tragedy plus time <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, we've seen she, the characters progress, so now we can flash back on this, and it, now it's funny. Yeah, we'll laugh at this at yeah. some point. Um, so she somehow ended up in the mountains. Like, because she was on a train and then got a ride from someone and got dropped off near some mountains. And then she just wandered mm-hmm. off into them. Um, and then stumbles upon Toru just sitting there because she ported through after a fight. Uh, and has. And she's fucked she's up. She's like, I'm going to die here. She has this yeah. gargantuan sh- sword sticking out of her flank. Um, and Kobayashi just goes up and goes, It's a dragon. Hug me. This is great, because she's fucking still shit-faced. Mm-hmm. Um, she gives Toru a hard time for talking in a in a, her, like, old man way. Uh, like that old-timey Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a proper dragon, so I must talk all. <laughs> Why wouldst thou approach yeah. me, inferior which is, human? Which is fun. A nice little touch. Uh, but then Kobayashi, after some back and forth, just says, oh, well... That sword's bothering you. Okay. Climbs up Toru, grabs the sword, and somehow frees it. And then and now she's the king of yeah, England. Uh, yep. Because Toru's even like, no, if a human touches that, like, that's the sword of God. Like, that'll it'll make you go mad. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. a mistranslation. It wasn't pull the sword from the stone. It was pull the sword from the so- stone dragon. <laughs> from the, <laughs> from the, the lesbian dragon. dragon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. It was a euphemism. <laughs> right. Uh, she pulled the sword out, and and because um, during the pulling, uh, Kobayashi's like, well, I don't know if that guy, if I don't know if God exists, but if he does, he could give me a little help with this deadline. <laughs> and then pulls the sword out, and then Toro's like, oh, like your lack of faith probably is the only reason you didn't yeah. go mad. Because you don't believe, yeah. Which I thought that was a fun touch. There was a, a book I read where a vampire wasn't affected by crosses because he was an atheist, Mm -hmm. but someone was Catholic before (laughs) and would like burst into flames in the presence of one. And he's like, it's just belief. I can juggle the damn things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I thought that was an interesting uh, way to kind of explain that. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, so now Kobayashi's like sitting down in front of Toru and just says like, well, then let's drink. You know, like you're, I, I, I pulled the sword out. We're doing drinking time, and yeah, and Kobayashi, I, they did this pretty accurately. But it was this this whiplash from like loud and boisterous to crying <laughs> immediately, just like oh, this yeah. is hard, um, was pretty accurate. And I've also been around yeah. drunk people, and I've been drunk mm-hmm. people. I've often been drunk people. <laughs> it's me. I'm drunk people. Um, and they're like, yeah, let's just drink. Just us girls. And because uh, Toru turns into her like human form, human, humanoid form. Mm-hmm. Toru's even like, wait, you're a girl? Kobayashi's like, wait, now I'm mad. Let me fondle your tits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was such a... W- I had a such a disconnect moment where I was like, "Wait, what the yeah. fuck?" Like, was this a translation thing? So that's so and this flipped over to the other one. I'm like, "Nope." That's the so same. this was okay. probably where 
Toru got the idea that Kobayashi was down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and because Toru just like sure, just says sure flatly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then three hours later, they're matching the energy. They're both just like bitching about their respective lives and having a nice time, having a good laugh. And well, this is also where we get the backstory a little bit where uh, Toru is talking about this like little like thief kid that was like running with like a like bandits or some shit. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we had a crew and we hit, took the wrong job and now I'm on the run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little girl. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I'm in. Also, I had a disconnect moment where I was like, I had like zoned out for a second and it's showing this like little vagabond girl. And I thought it was supposed to be Rico for some reason. There are a lot of parallels to, in their, in their visual. I had to start like start over. Cause I was like, wait, what the fuck did I miss? What are we talking about here? And I was like, Oh no, this is actually just a different person. I should have paid yeah. better attention. Um, a lot of the scenes in this move so quickly that I was having to jump back. It was a little jarring. I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, I like missed a single line and now I'm totally lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, while they're drinking, Kobayashi gets really sullen all of a sudden and says, why am I all alone? And then looks at Toru and just says, hey, why don't you just come in with me? She goes, okay, you could be my maid. <laughs> because yeah. we, we get this flashback. This this little seed of Toru being a maid was planted before whenever she met this little human girl who I just assumed was going to be a terror. Like, I've watched too much fucking anime, apparently, because I expected this girl to get murdered on the other side of that fucking mountain, right? <laughs> no, no, it's a happy show, Dan. I know. It's not, yeah, there's I no know. war crimes. But, like, it's like, oh, I'm going to carry her dream forward, and I'm going to be a maid, too. No, no, as we see later, she made it. She's a maid somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anytime, like, anime has conditioned us, you see a cute little kid, and you're like, oh, no. That kid's dead. <laughs> yeah, especially if the so kid's like, I only I assume that in the shows you guys assign me. <laughs> the shows I generally pick, sometimes the cute little girl's just there to be a cute little girl. <laughs> and I love Moe Trash. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. And, but yeah, we just expected her to die in a horribly gruesome way as like a, a plot point speed bump for a main character. Uh, Two out of the three of us yeah. did at least. And, nope, no, she's fine. And, <laughs> Because the gir- little girl even said, like, oh, I want to become a maid. Like, I want to wear these cool, cute outfits. And uh, she even mm-hmm. says, maybe even fall in love with my master. Ha ha. And, uh, but she made it. And, you know, the episode kind of gets wrapped up. But then a portal opens. Mm-hmm. And spooky stuff. When she was off, when she was off getting ingredients, she uh, woken her dad to her presence and that she was crossing back and forth. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And... He notices, and whenever he pops through, everyone notices. Yeah. But then, yeah, going into episode 13, uh, basically, it's kind of like they're having this moment of what would happen if we weren't together kind of thing. Like, Well, specifically is uh, Toru, like, having inner thoughts about this yeah she goes off. Um, yeah y'all both looked real confused yeah, yeah. we have the we have a oh well we have a very reasonable v60 coffee brewing technique at the beginning of the episode <laughs> where she oh yeah because 
the episode opens of kind of like just morning. Basically, time. Toru's like mastered this shit now. Yeah. She mm-hmm. makes a good cup of coffee. She's like, yeah, I've been messing with the temperatures based on, like, what you're doing this day. And she's like, geez, you dragons are special. Oh, is this the episode with the birds, by the way? It's a small bit where she's like, I think I've got the hang of this maid thing. And then she looks out and crows are just eating the laundry. Oh, yeah. And, then she, and then she blows them away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> blows yeah, yeah. them up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. She, she makes some nice little little coffee. But, yeah, she, and then she's going out to the, the shopping center. And then she has the inner monologue, which is personified as her dragon form. And well, and what triggers it, in, though, is she sees this like news report, and they're talking about like comparing mice's lifespan to human lifespan, mm-hmm. and like how mm-hmm. crazy different it is. It's like, oh, but to them, it's just a normal lifespan, so they don't—they're not bothered by it, even though we might feel bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. hit real hard with the cat who is in his oh. last days right now at home. <laughs> yeah, this was also kind of a moment where Caitlin jumped in. And I had to circle oh, back to watch episodes over again because she thought this was Fryrin from me explaining it. She's like, oh, is this that one where the girl has a different lifespan than humans? <laughs> no, similar plot. Like, <laughs> similar theme. No. Or theme, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just like, I was like, wait, wow, that did kind of come up. No, that's not that, but it's this. But I mean, and then she circled a, back and a classic, you know, this. Tolkien did that, right? Yeah. I imagine someone did it before to- Tolkien, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also this inner monologue is kind of like her talking to herself. And it's kind of like this, like, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Mm -hmm. Hyde inner monologue where it's like the savage dragon is talking to, like, the kind of, like, people-y human form. Even the way they animated her dragon form, it reminded me of... uh, the We're Back animated movie back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where, like pre-serial yeah. T-Rex. Yeah. And the pre-serial <laughs> version was like really detailed and very sharp toothy. And that's how they did her dragon mm-hmm. form. But I was like, oh shit, it's We're Back. <laughs> <laughs> Roll back the rock to the dawn Man, of time. I, lo- and sing I love song that me. film growing. Oh, well, well, I, I also like Jurassic Park. So there's a, there's, there's a through yeah. line there. I can't put my finger on it. And um, that movie rules. And but then the dad confronts Kobaya, uh, excuse me, Toru, and says like, "Time's up. We're going back." Yeah, yeah. You're you're done playing around in this world. We're going back to ours. And I liked his cape mm-hmm. was like clawed slash jaw like it was animated in a very interesting way. Yeah. Um, and then they just dip. And well, well, at first Kobayashi like gets in between them. No, no, that's the next. Or, no, 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 that happens later. That happens later. That happens later. Shut that's up, later. Shut no, up, this, the, the, this is just full on. He ki- kidnaps Toru. Basically, mm-hmm. I think Kana either sees this or knows this, and then says like Toru's gone. She's gone back home. She saw okay, it. She, she yeah, saw it. She's yeah. Like, she's going home, and then we get this like kind of rough and sad bit where Toru's just gone, and Kobayashi's just having to deal, and her being so. Mm-hmm. Not ready for this, and then, but she learns uh, pretty quickly how to manage. But the first day or so is rough. Like she's spilling shit, waking up late. You know, mm-hmm. Kana's real nice. You know about the whole thing. She's like, "It's okay. Like you spilled my warm milk. <laughs> it's it. it I get yeah. it. It's fine. We'll be okay." And you know, she's uh, stressed out at work uh, to the point where, like, if she has to work late, she's Kana's sent over to stay with Rico. And um, Kana's stressed and out, like, too. And, uh, like, Tayaki recognizes that she's struggling mm-hmm. and something's changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, this yeah, this is a rough time for Kobayashi. Uh, she's figuring it out slowly. Like they show, like later on, she's got the stuff and she's got it a little more figured out. The house is a little messy, but like they're making it. You know, they're getting by. Because mm-hmm. now she's a single mom at this point with with a really <laughs> shitty job. No child supports coming. Uh, no work life balance. Yeah, shit's rough. Some Aaron Brockovich mm-hmm. shit. Um, but then I thought a little too abruptly, like they should have maybe they could have made this two episodes worth of content. Um, but yeah, we're already up or a season ender, and 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 it, and it was. Uh, but like the next, I no, I mean like before the resolution. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, like like a season ender. Season two, episode one is like the second. Oh, half of I don't know that they knew they were getting a second season when they made this choice. I feel you. I, I, I yeah, no, I get what you mean, but I mean like that would have been episode sick. fourteen was released as an OVA on the Blu-ray and only aired on Crunchyroll mm-hmm. in twenty eight a, a year after the episode thirteen aired. Which mm-hmm. that's why I didn't include it. It's it's just stuff happens. Nothing, yeah, like important. Um, <clears throat> Toro shows back up, just kind of randomly one morning, mm-hmm. and it's so abrupt. I thought this was like Kobayashi having a dream or something. Yeah, I did too. I I one hundred percent thought this was a dream sequence. Yeah, no, I think they could have taken more time with the new normal, and just have her show up. But whatever, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll give it a pass. Because dad shows up right after. The emperor of demise. Yeah, basically like follows her back. Uh. And then this is where I fuck up. Uh, because Tover's like, no, 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 I'm staying here. And her dad's like, this is, you're being fucking foolish. You're coming home with me. Kobayashi gets in between them and starts talking. But then dad is like, shut the fuck up. Special beam <laughs> yeah, cannon. Yeah, a tiny one. <laughs> yeah. And like knocks her glasses off and we see like a singe mm-hmm. mark like on the side of her eye and I think Kobayashi also realizes you're like I am fucking with some shit but she's still Jesus she still Christ. stands back up and says her piece though but she, she yeah. has mm-hmm. she, she wavers for a little bit or at least has yeah. to collect herself they did a well has a moment of realization I think they did such a good like mo- like take her taking a moment to collect herself after that but then still step up and say her piece they did such a good job in like that 10 second sequence yeah because really it looked like oh, she even looked away Hard. at this point and was like considering just walking back in the house like you know or this is between running. or running like <laughs> you know this is between this is the this is the parent the daughter like i don't i can't butt mm-hmm. in i shouldn't but that was like a, her cowardice kind of maybe not cowardice but mm-hmm. <laughs> actually maybe the reasonable side of the brain. self-preservation <laughs> self-preservation yeah Survival instinct. But she says yeah. her piece, and um, Toru sticks with it, and they're like... F- well, I, th- I think Kobayashi saying her piece kind of like gave Toru the extra mm-hmm. resolve that she yeah. needed. Fuck it, I'll throw hands well. with Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Your time's over, old man! <laughs> yeah, but then Toru, you know, she's ready to fight Dad. He goes, fine. Like, let's take this somewhere else. They go to some blasted wasteland-looking motherfucker. Well, and he even says, like, just because you're, you've made your choice and just because you're my daughter, don't think I'm going to show you any yeah. mercy. Like some cold-blooded shit. And they fucking start to scrap. Mm-hmm. I wish, they animated it pretty well, but not to the, like, shockingly high degree that some of the other stuff could, like. Some of the other ones was were, yeah. Really short. Really short. 
They just they yeah. did like two fire blasts, some magicy blasts. They powered up, and they were about to do like a charge, like Sonic. You're holding down and, and B then and Kana it to like flies Kobayashi in. Kobayashi says another thing, convinces like it's like why don't you just trust your daughter to make her own fucking decisions. Yeah, mm-hmm. the ending felt for sure rushed mm-hmm. and a little hand wavy, and I get that super serious stuff like this is not the main point of this show, so I'm not going to ding mm-hmm. it too much for that, but it does feel like this could have been done better. Oh, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, because it also seemed like weird to like, hey, just have faith in her him to be like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. No, it felt super rushed. It should have been another episode at least to flesh out this little arc mm-hmm. because the show did the serious stuff well with like the quiet, like sweet kind of tender moments or growth. Mm-hmm. And thoughtful, but not this like literal outside threat type of <laughs> plot line. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which not the main focus of the show. Yeah. So I I get it, but yeah, feels like this could have been done a little bit better. Sure. But they, they 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 life the life just goes back to what they were doing, and uh, a quick little thing at the end was Kobayashi like saying like Hey, like we it's like we got some free time. Let's go on a trip." And it's them going to Kobayashi's house, like parent. Well, yeah, parental she, she specifically be, says, "I'm going to gonna go see parents. my parents." Um, and I and it's effectively, I want you two to come mm-hmm. with. Me. Yeah, yeah, which mm-hmm. is great. Like that's the whole arc. <laughs> uh, Kobayashi gets a live-in maid that has the hots for her, adopts a small child, and then finally takes them back home to the parents. Yep. Yeah, season two, meet the Fockers. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, but that was an interesting thing too. Like, whenever she did call her mom on like the New Year's or whatever the hell, she's like, "Oh, I got your card." They were like, "Oh yeah, family's doing great." The everybody was cordial. Mm-hmm. There was no like hard feelings. It was just they'd just grown distant. Yeah. But Kobayashi was reaching out a little bit. Yeah. Well, and even the mom says like, "Is everything okay? You've never sent us a card mm-hmm. before." Kind of thing to like show like that's so out of character that oh, surely something's wrong. Yeah, it, it was a warm but distant and unfamiliar type call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she was trying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then that wraps up the the thirteen. So that's all thirteen episodes. To- and this is going to easily be our longest show <laughs> oh, by no, a lot. No. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But take that, beasters. Beasters. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess. What are your final thoughts and a score? I guess that means I'm going first. Uh I'm giving it a flat eight. I thought it sat out. It set out to do what it wanted to do generally pretty well. A few weaknesses being kind of some subpar animation, some jokes that got repetitive and just generally not that funny or more misses than hits with some of the repetitive jokes. But overall, music was good. Animation really popped off in a few parts that was super impressive. Characters were generally well done and brought their own kind of role to the comedy in a good way. And it was generally a positive experience. Uh, watched about half of them on edibles and would definitely recommend doing <laughs> that to anyone doing a watch or a rewatch. <laughs> so yeah, generally pretty enjoyable. Eight. All right. Marcus? Okay. Uh, I am actually in the exact same boat. Flat eight for me. I went into this with very low hopes, to be quite honest. It surpassed my expectations by quite a bit. I will say the trash elements of this dragged this down for me quite a bit because if it wasn't for those this would be like a 9.5 yeah. for me 
Like, I enjoyed this so much more than I expected to. And, like, those tender moments really hit for me really, really hard. Like, those moments where we can take a step back, get away from life for a second to focus on ourselves and, like, our relationships, both inwardly and outwardly. And it's not the hustle and bustle and we have these tiny moments of growth in relationship. I fucking love them. A lot of the comedy did hit really, really well for me. Some of the jokes did get a little bit repetitive, and that's okay. A lot of comedy has that problem, so I'm not dinging it too hard for that. It's just fucking everything with Lakoa and Shota was just like, ugh. And then everything with Rico and Kana just dragged it down so fucking hard for me and would pull me out of the show so to such a degree that I wasn't enjoying yeah. it anymore. And that's why I'm an eight and not a 9.5, even considering possibly a 10, to be quite honest. Like what I loved, I loved so much. Yeah. But what I hated, I hated so much. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm really stoked that you guys enjoyed as much as you did. I know this was going to be more of a Nick show and then like a solid coin flip for Marcus maybe weighted to one side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, Ugh. but I'm like, the jokes are, the, the, the funny is funny, but like maybe the rest of it wouldn't hit. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Uh, so this is my fourth time through <laughs> watching this show. And I got to say, I enjoy it just as much as I did as I watched it the first time. Um, the, the funny parts, it, I'm not, while it's not the same type of humor, it felt like some of the pacing was similar. Like, I just love Rick and Morty's, like, how they do their jokes, usually really quick. This one wasn't as breakneck mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and manic as those. Yeah. But it felt like it came, like, whenever there was a funny bit, there would be, like, something funny, something funny. A character reacts to it in a funny way, and it just kind of rolled really nicely. Um, and it kept the show fresh as I rewatched it um, each time. Um mm-hmm. But I'm going to, you know, mirror a lot of the same things you guys said. Like, the music's great. Animation, when it pops off, is top-notch. But they also skimped out on other places. And characters were all really good, except for our standout, you know, problem ones. The problem children, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rico and Shoda and Lukoa. Um, they, if I recall right, they toned that down for season two. Another problematic mm-hmm. character shows up. That distracts you from that. <laughs> so your mileage may vary. But season two is rated higher. Like season one is at like a 7.95 on Mal. And season two is 8.28. Oh, Jesus. And I, okay. I do think that's common because you get less people who start a show and drop it and rate it low mm-hmm. in a season two. That's fair. So yeah. I, I think second season's are usually higher ranked than first seasons in most cases, unless it's a promise Neverland type situation. Or, unle- or unless they're just kind of mid, like psychopaths, season one is excellent. And then season two just yeah. can't capture that same. Season magic, two so. of this, uh, of, of this show build just builds on their strengths. And it felt like they dialed back some of the bullshit, the, the Lukoa shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, so for me, it's probably an eight five for me. I, I I really enjoy this show, but I well I enjoy it a lot. And it brings me a lot of joy at certain parts. A couple of the things with the characters just keeps it from reaching the the heights that it should be, that it deserves to be. So mm-hmm. that's a shame, but I still really enjoyed it, and I'm glad you guys liked it. 
Hell yeah. Cool. Well, um, I guess that wraps up Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And um, pretty even scores, 8-8-8-5 uh, from us. And another all within a half point. That's pretty good. And so mm-hmm. that is going to wrap up this episode. What are, what are we up to? 36? This is 36, I believe. Yeah. 36. Episode 36. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we will see you next week. See ya. Back next Wednesday, rolling some dice. Catch you then. Dice. Good boy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Anime Backlog Podcast, where Dan had Marcus and I watch through the entire first season of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Next week, the Dice Gods are back in charge, and they have assigned season one of 2023's Undead Girl Murder Farce. If you've enjoyed this show, please reach to us on social media with any comments you have, and we appreciate anyone who drops a comment, review, rating, or even just gives us a follow on any of the social media platforms. We've had an excellent first year in 2023 and looking to build on that even more in 2024. You can follow the show at the handle at the anime backlog, and you can follow us individually on Twitter as well. Dan's handle is at avarice77. Marcus is at MarcusRVO, and I'm at Nick Sparts. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday. Thank you.